Last of Us Remastered. And this month's PS Plus Extra Games get twisted. Chris, The Last of Us has already been remastered and, and then remade. remade. And then the and upcoming version that is the director's cut starring Bella Ramsey. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm still surprised okay, there's no skins for that. Still shocked. Yeah, I told you, you. You seemed adamant, and I said at worst they will be an option, but I, I didn't think that they'd cross that line. But just to clarify real quick, the cold open should have been The Last of Us Part 2 remake remaster yeah. anything along that but you know what <clears throat> i've dropped the ball coming into a cold open so i'm not gonna act like i am uh you know i dropped the ball at the beginning of the last episode referencing the wrong white rat battle you know what i, I mean getting <laughs> mad at me like no you're <laughs> fucking wrong look man there's too much in my head they were conflicting they were fighting you know oh yeah yeah so it's well. okay but Hello and welcome to Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, is one Mr. Chris Figs. Chris, how you so, doing today, buddy? I'm doing okay, man. How are you? I am here. Uh, as you may know, we did not record our usual day yesterday uh, due to power outages around here, but that seems to have been cleared up, so we should have no problem working it through today. Uh, we're not going to do... Three, two, one... <laughs> That would have been fucking fun, though. That would have been incredibly <laughs> funny, but I would also have been like, damn it. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Absolutely. I got to go fix the f- clock on my oven. <laughs> do, oh, my God. That was the worst part about it yesterday. Oh, I, I it, it starts seeming like it was going to be all right, and then yep. we go fix everything, and then boom. I'm like, <laughs> there's the, the blue light back here on my thing. For some reason, the other one doesn't. But this one right here, anytime the power restarts, it just goes into shake all colors. Um, so I have to fix it every time. It kills me. <laughs> but, Chris, uh, we're not going to get into too much today, as we've kind of already talked about behind the scenes. But we do have some stuff. There's some classic games coming back, courtesy of, uh, of an interesting little engine that we've heard from uh, and seen before in the industry. We've got Activision Blizzard finally getting a big win, as well as looking at some of the PS Plus games. And this pesky little more than a rumor, but also not quite, uh, <laughs> from The Last of Us Part II's, um, I, I guess, his com- the composer, Gustavo. Uh, so... We'll get to talking about all that, how it may be making its way to PS5, but we're going to start the show off in a time-honored way. Uh, so if you're new to the show, we hope you enjoy. Stick around. We have the community's take and everything else we're going to get into, but we're going to start the show off by just checking in on what we've been playing. So Chris, take this opportunity to fill the audience in on the new goodness or the old goodness that you've maybe been playing this week. Um, I have actually played a lot of games this week, um, even more than I've your, listed your on list our document. Your list looks impressive. Oh, I've got more than that, sadly, but the main ones I've played is a lot of Rogue Legacy 2, and when I say a lot of Rogue Legacy 2, it was one night where I time-traveled. You know what I mean? You have those time-travel games, right? Where you start it, and then you look up, and it's 6 o'clock in the morning, and you started playing at 8 o'clock. That was Rogue oh, yeah. Legacy. Because I had to work at 9 a.m. So I'm like, I'm, I put Rogue Legacy on because it was no consequence. And I'm like, I can play one or two rounds, get in bed in an hour. It'll be fine. I went to bed at 4, and I had to be up in four hours. <laughs> so Rogue Legacy 2 is very fun. I liked it a lot. Um, the other game I've played, which is really good, I'm 
we talked about it a little bit at the end of the last show. Yes, yes, the last show. And that mm-hmm. is uh, Severed Soul, which is <laughs> fucking phenomenal. Severed Steel? It's, is it Severed Steel? Did I say the wrong name? Severed something. It's purple. It's got a lot of purple. Yes, Severed Steel. Severed Steel. Yep. So yes, I have been playing a lot of Severed Steel, and that game is really fun. And it's funny because you're the second person I recommended that game to, or you're the first person, but two people have told me, oh, this would be perfect for, for, for VR. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm playing this game. I would never want to play this in VR. You would throw up immediately. Uh, like one I'm going to tell main... you soon because I haven't bought Synapse yet, but I'm intending on doing that. Actually, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that right now. I'm going to go and redeem my Sony reward points so it can Live send me code over recording. Let's go. Um, so the main thing with this game is you can slow down time, um, you can slide, and you can dive, and you can double jump, and you can shoot. There's like four buttons, and that's what they do. Now, here's the thing. Why I don't think it's possible in VR, right? Because the way I've killed a lot of enemies is I'll jump, double jump, and then dive in slow motion, and then just do front flips, until I get an angle on these guys and shoot them. I don't think that you can do that in VR and not immediately throw up. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, I think your experience with VR is limited at PSVR and then that little stint of you doing Resident Evil 4 when you yes. came down, right? Correct. Okay. I would tell you that most of what you experience with PSVR 1, you would probably throw up in a heartbeat. You'd probably mm-hmm. be immediate. <laughs> There's a lot of questions over how you would go about making that game work in a way that feels right with comfort settings. Uh, because I did play some VR this week. I'll get that out of the way first. Uh, and while we're talking about the thing, with uh, I, I played with Stingray X, John, um, Walkabout Mini Golf, which was a mm. fucking blast. <sighs> and I already like mini golf. But I thought, now nah, this is probably not going to be very good. I would have never thought myself to buy a mini golf game, but we had talked about playing, and he was like, well, what other uh, multiplayer games do you have? And I was like, I, I have other ones, but it's like Gran Turismo, and I was like, I, I don't have a whole lot. So I was like, you just, what are your recommendations? And he, re- he recommended it, and I have enough Sony reward points to last me a lifetime at this particular <laughs> point. So I just went and got the reward points and redeemed them and bought the game, and we played for about two and a half hours and it was a great time. And I really didn't want to get off, but I had forgotten to charge my controllers beforehand. So oh. one of them was dying. Uh, but I, we were doing great. It was, a, it was a good time. There's this secondary mini game that's kind of within it where any, any course you're on, uh, each hole's got a hidden ball when mm-hmm. you're on the normal course. And then if you can find all the balls, you unlock the hard version of the course. And then there was a, <laughs> another hunt in the hard version of the course. Mm-hmm. Um, where if you can find all of those things, you get a golf club, and they're all just you choose what you want, so you can see you know what you see and what the other players see. But it's a great time. You can fly around. There's like a tee off place in this practice hub that it kind of starts you off in, where you can shoot. There's a trophy for hitting all the targets, and some of them are really far away, uh, <laughs> so it becomes like actual golf for a second. But it was a great time, uh, and it had the similar thing where. If you are in in-game chat instead of a party chat, then your mouth moves when you talk and all that. It's just a good time. Uh, waving your golf club in front of the other's face while they're trying to put off. It, it's I had a good time, and it continues to remind me of that. VR is very good, and I'm excited to go into Synapse and, and do that. But I'm curious, 
Synapse, I think, will give me a better feel as to what I think is possible comfortably in VR. Yeah. In terms of first-person shooting, <laughs> yeah, when you take it's, it more away from just boots on the ground, because that's that's the question, right? It's right. like once you start jumping in the air and diving and doing anything crazy, what what can happen? Yeah, it was just one of those things where I was playing Severed Steel, and I'm like, I'm feeling a little queasy. You know what I mean? But it was yeah. cool because it, do you it's find one of those... that you have that in in certain games? And I I didn't mean to cut you off, but my buddy he couldn't play. Mirror's Edge, the first one, uh-huh. on PS3 and even on PC with a higher frame rate, he could not play um, the Talos Principle because he said that they they gave him motion sickness. Do you have that often, or is it just no. like here and there? And it's, it's when I say it makes me queasy, all I mean is like I have the sense that like if I was doing this, I would be feel sick. Not like I'm like feeling, you know what I mean? Because I was thinking about it through the context of VR because my friend was like, oh, you know, I'm not going to buy it. But if it was VR, I probably would. And I'm like, but it, I don't think you could play it in VR. So like thinking about the actions that I'm doing in the game, I was like, eh, I don't know. But it's really fun. I highly recommend it. I, I think it's a really good time. Soundtrack is killer too, so. Yeah, it's it'll be curious to see some of these games that are coming out now. Will they ever in the future, if VR continues to in, in, like improve at a certain rate, will some of these games eventually become VR games? Because the other question is, maybe it's just not there right now. But I don't know, because there's some pretty wild stuff in Bone Labs, which is um, uh, Oculus. So, I mean, you can get it elsewhere, I think. But I played it on Oculus, and that game made me sick. <laughs> and it had me it had you doing a lot and a lot of full body movement and jumping around mm-hmm. and uh a lot of the times the disconnect you get in those games is when you jump but your body doesn't move yeah. and so your brain's like i just saw things fly by without feeling the body motion that should be tied to that well what makes so you feel uh, better there is a vr mod for severed steel we'll look at that Leave it up to the community. If you keep it, if you look out, there's a the community already has PSVR two on computer working enough to launch games into it and run oh, really? kind of rudimentarily. Someone has played not all, but has gotten um, Half Life Alex running on PSVR two on PC Ooh. with at least bare minimum, um, you know, functionality. Yeah. So, and and we're only a few months out. Think about. We're not far from being able to have this set up to where, regardless of whether Sony wants to support it officially or not, you can just plug it into your computer and have a whole other avenue. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised Sony hasn't done it, but... You think because it's like an inevitability? Like, if the people are going to figure out how to do it anyway, why wouldn't you just be like, yeah, fuck it. You can buy a headset. Because I I was talking to, to John about that, and I was like realistically having someone buy the headset regardless of the reason and only increases their chances of buying PSVR two games. Mm -hmm. You're definitely not going to buy it. If you just don't buy the PSVR two, if you don't have the headset, you're not going to buy the games. Right. So worst case scenario, if someone buys a PSVR two, even just for a computer, what are the chances they go? Well, that, that VR exclusive game looks kind of cool on PS5, and I already have the headset. I mean, I could just buy a PS5. And then you might even run into getting them to into the full PlayStation ecosystem. So it's like, in the end, what does it really hurt? 
but we'll see, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, some of the other stuff about it is it's really cool. Like when you run out of bullets in the gun, you throw you can throw the gun. So there's a lot of cool combos of like hitting a guy in the leg, throwing your gun at him, taking the gun. That's one of the cool things. You can slow down time and go to an enemy, take the gun out of his hand, and then kill him and then keep going. So there's a, there's a lot of cool shit in that game. There's a lot of cool shit in that game. It's nine. There is. It was nine ninety nine. I do not know if it still is nine ninety nine because it was on sale. That's why I bought it. So stuff stuff like that's always really cool. Like the whole Pavlov being able to run up to somebody and just pull the magazine out of their gun. Yeah, that's a uh, that is an incredible idea. You know, it's like mm-hmm. oh yeah, just an yeah, extra you can, thing like, you can do. Can't you like pull the pin on their grenade and run away? Like stupid yeah, well, stuff like that. And unless they, yeah, unless they go to do their hand, yeah, you can. Now, whether mm-hmm. or not it'll end up doing anything is it depends on what the other person's reaction is. But yeah, <laughs> just drop it. Go oh, shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, um, I think we can talk about the game I platinumed this week a little in the uh, PS Plus thing. But I have played okay. a lot of Baldur's Gate three in early access recently. I'm so excited for that game. Like, Couldn't wait for full release, huh? I, well, first of all, I, first off, I already had this. I bought this like a year and a half ago. Um, so, is I it is early know. access still just the first act, or have they continued to? No, it's just the first act. And that's the the one weird thing is I was thinking about getting the deluxe edition of this, but the deluxe edition comes with early access for just the first act. And I'm like, why? <laughs> I mean, yeah, on okay. console. So it's not like it's like they're putting this version out there for the beginning. It's like you're getting the full game, but it cuts you off after three days, which I think is a little odd. But, dude, I I don't know your interest level or your excitement level, but genuinely, if we can get this consistent, we're going to have so much goddamn fun. It oh, looks, dude. I, I'm, I'm so excited. excited. I'm excited. The game is clearly the... Uh, the nexus of the excitement because it's the thing pulling it all together. Right. But I'm excited for the social aspects around the game. Yeah. If nothing else. And I say that because I've not spent a lot of time playing any of Valerian's games. So I don't think there's that built in love like for, Oh yeah, I'm excited, but I have experience playing the original Baldur's gate and mm-hmm. excuse me, and Baldur's gate two from um, obsidian um, and our, Blackrock, I think, right? Now I got myself... I can't remember which one of them did it. I think it's Bioware. I feel fair. I feel fairly good about that. Let's, let's find out. Baldur's Gate 2, if nothing else. In Exile, maybe? The guys behind them? Bioware. That was Bioware. That's what I thought. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. So either way, yeah, I'm curious to see how that goes down, and I'm curious to talk about the other game that you uh, that you platinum. But yeah, we'll we'll save that. Uh, my other game is I finally beat Final Fantasy 16. Um, I can say without a doubt now that I think this game is I, I anything from an eight upwards. I think is a perfectly fair score, but I would imagine that most people who are playing it and are you know going through. It's it's a ten out of ten for it's like a personal ten out of ten, you know what I mean? But even when I try and look at it more, it's like even if you know it's not perfect, there's not obvious ways within staying with what the project wanted to be to make the game better. 
It's got incredible story writing, incredible character arcs, really fun gameplay, whether or not it's exactly what you were wanting from a Final Fantasy is a different story. But if you look at it in a vacuum, it's got great gameplay. Uh, really, t- I, I still like the side quest and what they do for the world. Uh, I'm not saying there hasn't been better side quests, but I think this game does a good job with it. I really like what I talked about last week, the idea of it kind of being a hub-based, where you have four different hubs that you can explore. Some parts are wide, some parts are more narrow to where it's almost like a pseudo open world because you can always go back to anywhere where unlike a devil may cry or something like that, where you're just going through a stage and then you're done with it and you move on the ability to go back and to semi explore is it's really fun. And I think it gives you a sense of that open feeling that open world games have without falling into the same problem that final fantasy 15 fell into where it had a true open world, but it had no fucking clue what to do with it. Mm-hmm. It was it was just it was open world for the sake of doing what the industry was doing, but it didn't understand how to be open world. Not, there was it wasn't even Ubisoft open world. Like there was nothing <laughs> to do in it. You it would just Mafia be running open world. Yeah, it's like you're just running for large swaths of time with nothing happening, and you're just kind of like, okay. Like Grand Theft Auto Three figured this out on PlayStation Two. <laughs> you know, sixteen years ago. 17 years ago, I can't remember exactly when. Uh, let's just land on 15. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's this, it's yeah, so it, it was interesting, but I'm so glad it didn't fall into those same uh, things. And I think its importance to the story and limiting the scope of certain things down led to a great game. And uh, it's going to be really hard for anything that comes this year to top this. It's just this feels like a once in a generation game. Wow, you know, already. Yeah. It's 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 harder. It hit harder on my excitement levels than I ever thought it could have, and a lot of that was because fifteen was just all right. Yeah, so and I don't. I didn't have that built-in fourteen hype that everyone else has. Where like I know that Yoshi P is a good director, and I know he's beloved in his storytelling chops, but I still didn't anticipate it coming out in this way. But go ahead, what were you going to ask? I don't know how to phrase the question properly, but I'm coming at 16 with little to no excitement. Like I said on the other show a couple of weeks ago when we talked about how I hadn't really played it, where I'm like, yeah, I like that the team I'm, I, I, the console I play for has it on it. But yeah. outside of that, I'm not coming at it with too much. Do you think this game is a 10 out of 10 because you're, a Final Fantasy fan and you were excited for it or is it just like someone like me am I going to go into it and be like oh this is the greatest thing I've ever played not that you said that but you know, yeah, you no, know sure. what I'm going for I think I mean to answer the question honestly because this game does so much to shirk off what most people would expect from a Final Fantasy which I've long said I don't think expecting anything from Final Fantasy outside of world and lore aspects being somewhat present in some way like Moogles and Chocobo uh, Chocobo yeah all that stuff like that's the stuff that you can expect that kind of ties them all together but otherwise gameplay wise story wise time period wise how sci-fi or not they choose on they plan on getting kind of differs wildly from game to game mm-hmm. so I would say that this is a really good jumping in point for a lot of people because it changes just enough stuff that even if you are a Final Fantasy fan, it might be pushing enough in a different direction that it's challenging what you think about Final Fantasy. Um, And if anything, that actually might make you actively dislike it more than you should. So 
you're kind of in the experience of almost playing it in a vacuum, right? Like you're almost playing it with little context, a little to no context about Final Fantasy. Like you have played right. some Final Fantasy, but not a lot. Correct. And to that end, um, I think that that excitement's there whether or not you are a Final Fantasy fan. As for its exclusivity, I think this game is just as good regardless of whether it's exclusive or not. Um, oh, yeah. I'm no, actually... I- I don't think I didn't mean to imply that exclusivity makes it better. It's literally no, just well, the, the one reason of excitement I have for it. Where I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I play PlayStation, and PlayStation has this exclusively. So there's that little bit of like, I hope it does well. And again, sure. that's just toxic Twitter shit, realistically. But I think in and in and out of context of the game and what game the game's industry is doing, what Final Fantasy as a series has been doing for a yeah. long time, it's just great. I think that's been a it's been a while since I think a game has had. Uh, and I know some people are going to look strong. I think Ragnarok was a great game, uh, but I do think Ragnarok was a lot more sloppily written and paced than God of War 2018. Uh, and that doesn't mean that it's a bad game. I still think it's great. Uh, but I think that this gave me the same feelings that 2018 God of War did, where it's paced so well. And it doesn't mean that it never falters, but it falters so little that it's almost hard. Because, like, you know, I think media across the board right now is hitting this point where they tend to really lose themselves in the third act. And I don't think that this game hits that problem at all. Uh, I was really surprised. I kept expecting and waiting for the game and not as a gotcha moment or even anything, just as a, the game will eventually fail or falter a considerable amount and it'll be okay. But you know, it's to be expected because it's been too good for too long and that just didn't happen, and it really surprised me. Um, mm-hmm. I think that whether or not you come into it wanting to play all the side content or not, I don't think it's going to have a huge impact on the way you feel about the game as a whole. I think it does a good job of separating the main quest from the side quest, but the side quests just serve to make you more informed and feel more about the world and the lore and build it out as something that's even more believable than I think it is when presented through the lens of just the main story. So one of these days, I hope you get back to it. But as we've been talking about the past few weeks, don't play it until you're feeling it. You know, like yeah. when, when you have the itch, give it a try. It's just one of those things where like, for context for me, the farthest I've ever made it into a Final Fantasy game is the house boss in Final Fantasy VII Remake. That's the Which farthest I've, I've ever not, made it. Not far. I mean, that's kind of considerably into the game. Oh, okay. Well, then there you go. There, and I got to the boat in the original Final Fantasy, and I stopped playing because that was very confusing. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, it's one of those things where I just, I would almost rather not play it anymore than drop it and have to be like, yeah, I didn't like it very much, you know, because that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel you. Yeah, the don't, air of mystery. don't keep playing it. <laughs> but I, I think one day if you'll get to a point where you play a few hours, I'd be a little surprised if the game didn't get its grips into you. I mean, like, I was into it, for the record. I watched that beginning, and I was like, this is dope. Yeah, But yeah. I also just haven't turned it on again. And it's also one of those things where I don't know if you've had this, but it's I'm being paralyzed to start it because I don't necessarily have... I don't want to start it and then not sit there for eight hours. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I'm not even going to turn it on. It's almost a game where I'm like, go into it on a a day where you could see yourself playing it. You're kind of like, oh, you know what, maybe. But I have like three or or more hours to actually sit and kind of soak it in at once. That's when you should do it. That's, yeah. I don't think that you should hop in again when you have 30 minutes or an hour. 
That's what I'm I thinking. Think, yeah, I think you should hop in when you have time to let the game sink in, you know, and, and where you'll get to be like, okay, shit, there's a lot going yeah. on, but I'm invested in the characters and the world and what's happening. I want to see it continue. Um, Cause like, like we said, you know, you made your little joke about the part you did see of like, this game has an opening and it's like, yeah, that game has an <laughs> opening um, in a very specific and very pointed way that the end of the game really takes into account too. I, I really, I really like how this game came back around. Uh, there's an interesting post credit scene um, uh, that is meant to stir a little bit of stuff, but I don't want to spoil it for anyone who doesn't, who hasn't gotten there yet. And, uh, of course I don't want to spoil it for a million different things, but Chris, you should not look it up. I'm not, I just <laughs> sent you a question and then I don't even need you to answer it. Just want to see how you react. Okay, that's that's good at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you, boy, you. It's so funny how little you even have. Like you're not even <laughs> in the ballpark. Well, I take that back. In a way, you're. I don't want to say too much, but you're not. You're like two blocks from you know the stadium. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. You'll understand when you start playing because the, the first time that something happens is, a, is like after the first four to six hours, depending on how you're playing. Um, but yeah, one of these days we'll be able to talk in depth about it. But what a game, man. What a freaking game. So here, here's the hoping. It's, awesome. it's a much shorter game, but here's the hoping that Immortals of Avium game can just hit and be great all the way through. It's probably 16 hours. Like, you know. <laughs> And this is this is incredible through its fifty or so hours. That yeah, you know, I, I don't even know how long I played it. I need to look at my PlayStation to see what it says because I feel like I've played this for a hundred hours. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of side content and hunts, so maybe I have. But are you going to get the platinum number one seventy five? I don't know about right now, uh, but I do intend to get the platinum eventually. So we'll okay. see. I like that. I like that a lot. There's a lot of stuff coming out, so it's really hard to say. We'll yeah, see. it's it's we'll it's see. busy. All right, let's see here. We've got the community's take. We're going to go ahead and go into. If you're new to the show and don't know what the community's take is, every episode we get a question either from the episode or from one of the audience members or something that just comes to mind where we kind of reach out and give you guys something about gaming that we talk about and get your guys' thoughts, whether or not you want to push back on something we said without the, you know, a question that maybe relates to the previous show or just something going on. Uh, open our eyes to a new perspective or anything like that if you just want to get your voice heard. So the community's take this week um, came from Pork Chops, one of our listeners. Uh, he says, when it comes to playing PvP or even PvE multiplayer games, do you prefer to play ones that have a meta character loadout slash build that is static, or do you enjoy the meta game that the developers play with gamers where they continually buff and nerf the game, even if the current meta isn't game-breaking, but it said, quote, that's not how we intend you to play, end quote, question mark. So, I'm not super surprised about this. We didn't get a whole lot of answers. And when I thought about the fact that we asked this and I wanted to stick with it, I know that a lot of our community is not super heavy into multiplayer games. And I think this is a very multiplayer games focused question. This is something that people who primarily play multiplayer are going to have more of a stronger opinion, I feel like. Whereas people who play mostly single player are going to feel like, eh, 
doesn't really matter or, or, mm-hmm. or whatever. You don't feel like they interact with it enough. So we did get two answers, uh, one, both of them from patrons. First one was from Jehudi MD. Long-time listener, long-time patron. Thank you, Jehudi. He says, I think the meta has a time and place. Some games work with such structure, while others may not. I played Apex Legends in the past for a period of time where that meta game worked, and I liked it. Forcing a whole group of people to change their weapons slash loadout of choice keeps the game fresh. However, the downside to this is that the new weapon is usually the one with the most buffs, which is understandable in the short term. And, yeah. I can see that being a problem where typically the way they shake it up is by introducing a weapon that then everyone starts using. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is the Apex model. One thing me and my friend always joke about, right? No matter how fucked Apex is, the store will always work and the new gun will always be broken for at least three weeks. <laughs> Those are the only well, things we ever say. It's a balancing act that's pretty hard, right? Because in that type of game, introducing a new gun, if you don't introduce it in a way where it's obviously good, mm-hmm. you have a high chance that no one's going to play with it. And if yeah. no one's going to play with it, at what point was adding the gun even good? Yes, exactly. But the downside to that is, is when you add a weapon that's so obviously good and then the people who are playing it know that one of the best ways to do well at the game is to use that gun or a handful of guns that are good the question just comes back in the reverse of well then why are all the rest of the guns even in the game if pretty much no one's using them now of course the answer is that in a game like apex or any kind of battle royale it's because you build up so you drop you get a gun and it's a a roll of the dice as to whether you get something that you like or not and it forces you to get proficient with every gun enough to that the fact that you hopefully survive until you can get another gun that you want and so it kind of works but it depends on the games you know i think about that even in single player games you get to a point where it's like if you're not going to make sure that certain things are balanced why did you worry about putting them in the game um But thankfully, multiplayer can always switch that up. And suddenly you can, if you want to, buff the hell out of a gun that no one was using or a sword that no one was using or whatever (laughs) it be. (laughs) Uh, We got one more answer from RudeDays93, another patron. Uh, He says, if I have to pick a side, it's the metagame. Just because there can be more customization and different styles of play, I would love it if every game was balanced so we didn't have to deal with worrying about buffs and nerfs, but you're almost asking the impossible because there's not enough people testing the games to notice the buffs as they're being developed or even be noticed and fixed from the many beta games, uh, betas games have. Um, It's interesting because I think we kind of just said that in one side, the meta could lead to not enough different styles of play but i think it depends on the type of game clearly that's not a catch-all answer (laughs) Mm -hmm. because i think games like destiny which are not focused around something like a slowly build your your gear up and survive is a lot different while still having the same we're going to swap the meta we're going to change what supers are doing what and what weapons are good with what supers and what items um sunset certain guns so that they're not around anymore so you force people into new ones so that's a very different way of doing something where there's still a meta game and there's still rotations but it's not really in the same gameplay style so in that sense yeah i would say that destiny does get to a point where you can see more customization and different styles of play in that sense and then apex is more you can see a bunch of customization and styles of play based solely off of what the person gets and how creative they want to be with what their loadout is. Right. I, I assume it's Apex kind of like, uh, you know, I haven't played a lot of any of these style of games. So 
but I talked to a friend at work about it. So it's Apex kind of like Modern Warfare or Warzone, rather, where you can set a loadout and something will drop and you can go to it and get no. your exact loadout. Okay. I've always thought that was kind of an interesting thing because I get it, but it also seems like it kind of is lies in opposition with the rest of the design of the game. That if you just wait long enough and survive long enough, you're going to be able to get exactly what you want. Yeah. Um, no, there's no, there's no getting exactly what you want in Apex, really, unless you're extremely lucky. But even then, you're always going to, you're almost always going to be missing something from the optimal kit. Either whether do you it's think that makes Apex or, more fun, or do you think yeah. it's just they're scratching different inches? Well, I think the thing. I have with modern warfare is like when I have, when I have my loadout, I spend the beginning of the game, not, not necessarily looking for fights and not looking for weapons or looting like you should be, but I'm like, okay, when we got to get a loadout drop, right? We got to go get a yeah. loadout drop because I yeah, want my guns. Changes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas in apex, you drop in, you pick up a gun and you go fight and, you know, and it depends on the way you play it. Like me and my Apex partner, we we have a difference of opinion. Where for me, I think the best way to loot is to go kill enemies. But he wants to just loot until he's full, and that's when he stops. Look at that, Chris. Clutch Sorry, dogs. It's okay. Uh, yeah, no, I can kind of see that. I also wonder if part of why Call of Duty did it is it's a bit of a hangover for the fact that Call of Duty was already a big multiplayer game when, with the tr- more traditional loadout style. And so when they brought Warzone in, their tweak to the to the model, as all series do, uh, you know, Apex was like, well, we're going to let you run on walls and stuff and do it. And then Fortnite's like, we're going to let you build. <laughs> So I think there's the okay. One. We're gonna mix more traditional multiplayer gameplay ideology in with this, so that you get a bit of both worlds. You get to where you do have to survive with what you get, but then you can also always know that if you, as long as you, because if I remember those games, you got to have enough money to buy your loadout. So you have to at least get the get to the loadout point and have earned enough money to buy the loadout that you they want. They do get dropped in. Okay, so, I know they get dropped in. I still remember if you had to actually buy them at that no, point, or if it's just survive long enough. You to definitely used to have to buy them, but now you just they just drop in, and I think you might be able to buy them. I don't remember. I don't play yeah. Warzone at all. Yeah, <laughs> me either. Clearly, <laughs> uh, so that's interesting. I mean, I see, I see both sides, but I think if I have to answer, yeah, I think you know, like we talked about last week, it is just the idea of something that I can get familiar with and never changes no matter how long I go away. And eventually one day it'll die and that sucks. But I'd rather personally have that. That's more fun for me. Like, you know, the heyday of playing Killzone 3 online was a great time. Resistance 2 online, great time. Killzone 2 online, great time. Um, And yeah, while they all eventually die because they don't rotate enough and the player base masters or reaches their level of what they wanted to do with that style and moves on. Um, I think I view them a little more fondly because it feels like more time and place, though I guess maybe a fraction of that with games like Apex is you can remember that time period of Apex even if you continue to play it, but that's just not me. I have other games to play. I've been playing Final Fantasy 16 for five weeks or whatever it is. When it used to, I feel like I'd burn through a game. One upside from that <laughs> is I do feel like I have a much better memory of Final Fantasy 16 because I played it over such a long breadth of time. Whereas sometimes when you just hammer a game out, 
I feel like it kind of goes into your brain and then leaves your brain because you jump onto the next thing and you hammer that out and yeah. you start getting like very butchered versions of how you felt about the game because they're mixing with other games and <laughs> yeah. yeah, hard to say. <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, I think if you are ready, then we can get ready to go into the news. What do you say? Let's news it. News it up. Before we news it up, uh, like we said, if you are listening to the podcast and you're listening on a podcast service that allows you to rate and or review the show, please consider doing so. It doesn't take too much time out of your day, and it lets people know whether or not you think the show is worth your time, as well as for the ones that review, gives us things that people like, like the ability to do timestamps or what have you. You may have noticed last week we didn't have a video version. Uh, we had a lot of technical problems last week that ended up messing the show up. And the fact that we got an episode out that was coherent was actually kind of a miracle in and of itself. Uh, so apologize for that. But, you know, we'll, we're working around that. Remember that we have timestamps. Listen to the things that you find interesting. If there's sections that you don't think are going to interest you, we don't mind if you skip them. It's just the nature of uh, having so many varied people and different opinions. But with that said, let's move into the news. We don't have a whole lot. So the first thing is we kind of talked about earlier, Gustavo Santa, I'm going to tell you right now, I have no clue how to say this, is Santa Alala? Uh, yeah, we'll sure. say that. Has apparently spilled the beans on an enhanced version of The Last of Us Part Two. Gustavo is the composer for the first game and the first season of the TV show. In an interview with Blender, he talks about how his role in the new version would be expanded and players could get him to play specific songs, themes within the, from the game. He stopped himself from going much further and revealed nothing else. The Last of Us Part Two is currently one of the few PS4 swan song games to not yet have a PS5 director's cut. So a re-release does make some sense in terms of historical of what PlayStation's done. But there's also to note that the PS5 can play The Last of Us Part Two um, via enhanced backwards compatibility at 60 frames per second. And mm-hmm. it already has the dual sense features in the game. So I don't know if there's as much of a need for it. That's kind of where you get into this weird thing. It feels like if you were going to do this, doing it around the same time as all your other ones would have been the thing. But I wonder if part of this was the last of us part two got to be part of a pretty big online hate campaign for it, whether or not the game is the greatest game or not, or has issues. is not the problem. It got targeted for, a bunch of stuff that really wasn't even about the game <laughs> in all honesty. And so I wrong. wonder if part of while, yeah, and completely wrong. That's the more <laughs> funny part. But uh, there's another thing that's not wrong, but people have a strong opinion on it that, you know, we've talked about uh, in our spoiler yes, cast yes, episode yes, we yes. did for it. But with all that said, I feel like maybe what they did is they just wanted more time between that controversy and a re-release. And now that the last of us part one season came out, the last of us uh, part one game remake came out. Maybe now is the time to do it. Cause you have that preamble game. Now you have this game. They're more technologically similar and you're even more removed from the bad controversy. Mm-hmm. Now, of course that controversy is going to see some form of revival, but you also have more new eyes on the series than ever. I can kind of see this, but I don't know, you know? I think it makes a ton of sense, but it also doesn't make any sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, it didn't make sense to do it with Ghost of Tsushima or Days Gone or Death Stranding, really. Actually, Death Stranding out of all of them, I would say, made the most sense because there was a lot more shit in that game. 
Yeah, I think that's the only, and, and it's and actually you said Days Gone. It did get a PS5 update, mm-hmm. but it didn't get a director's cut. Oh, right. Um, Sorry. No, but you're you're right. So Death Stranding and Ghosts were the two games that got this treatment, and Ghosts didn't really change a whole lot from what I understood. I mean, whenever I replayed it, I didn't notice anything Not. that different. Whereas almost everyone I've talked to who's played Death Stranding is like, oh, yeah, they changed a bunch. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you know, clearly not to the story, but there's a lot of gameplay elements outside of the story for Death Stranding. Yeah. Uh, there Chris are no can tell you, he became, <laughs> he became a delivery man for 42 hours, completely separate from the story. 100%. <laughs> Every time I check in on Chris, like, hey, man, you make any progress in the story? Nah, it's been delivering packages, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, great, fantastic game. Um, but yeah, in terms of this game, I don't know. It, it almost makes me wonder if it just makes more sense to, at this point, wait until season two. But then, you know, with the SAG after strike and all of this kind of stuff, it's like... How long is that? How long? And then at what point do you say, okay, fuck this. The PS6 launches with The Last of Us Part 1 remaster. The Last of Us Part 1 Remake Remaster. It comes with <laughs> The Last of Us Part 2 Remaster. And it comes with the first two seasons of The Last of Us. Right? Like, at, at a certain point, we pushed the can so far down the road that you might as well just do all of that. Um, I wonder, you know, hidden benefit of the sag after uh, strike and everything is that they needed more time for... Uh, for Bella Ramsey to look a little older <laughs> for season two. <laughs> if this kicks the can down the road a little bit longer, maybe they can kind of make it work. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. Isn't Bella Ramsey already like 19? Maybe. Is she really going to change that much? At the, she's 19. I don't know. Is she really going to change that much in, an, in another two years? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Well, I guess they probably filmed that when she was like 17, but you still have to kind of ask, like, how much can really change? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was real, but I'm kind of at the point where it's like, it's a little crazy. I was willing to defend The Last of Us Part 1 remake, but I don't really feel like they need to do this personally. Market-wise, I can understand it because if you if you have a PS5 and you just got one, maybe for The Last of Us Part 1, I don't think most people are going to look and be like, well, I'm going to buy the PS4 game. I think it's going to be easier to hit a group of people who are like, ooh, PS5. I haven't yeah. that. Yeah, cool, it's new. It's it's fresh. Yeah. yeah you know. I so I think it's one of those frame. things where much like the last one, I want to use your same argument. So much as I also felt this way about the previous one myself, it's not for me or you. It's for people who have probably not played the game or people who loved it so much that they would spend another $50, $60, $70, I guess, because uh, the last one was $70. So, Listen, all I can uh, tell you is that I would pay the $10 upgrade fee to get the Platinum again. So who knows? Like, It's coming for me. I know he's coming at my wallet, that Jim Ryan. <laughs> it, it's the source of this that makes it feel like it's probably going to happen. If it was anyone yeah. other than Gustavo and the way he was talking is like, they're going to have it. Cause he has a cameo in that game where you can just see him playing banjo. And apparently now you can walk up to him, hit a button and he'll, you can tell him to go through different songs yeah. for the game, which is cool. Play but that also sounds up. like that's clearly not what was in the game. So if he's talking about how they've been setting that up for him, 
something's happening. Either they're <laughs> updating the game that's already there or they're re-releasing it. <laughs> they're, re- they're definitely re-releasing it. And that'll be the big marketing thing. It'll be like 4K upgraded textures, 60 FPS, Gustavo Sings. <laughs> <laughs> I have the actual answer, though. Do you remember how Beyond Two Souls was a PS3 swan song game? And the original release yes. of that game bounced the time back and forth between like she's a kid, now she's much older, now she's a teenager, now she's a little bit older, now uh-huh. she's a kid. I don't know if you played that game, but that's what happened. No, right? I didn't. In the remaster that they came out with on PS4, they made it to where you could play the game chronologically. And th- I think that's how it was actually set up. And you could choose to play it the other way if you wanted to, but it was set up to play chronologically. That's what they're going to do here. They're going to use this as a way to rework the pacing of the game that was one of the most common complaints, even from people who enjoyed the game a lot. That might be what they do. That would make it worth it. That would straight up make it worth it. If Even if they take, away, take out the hour-long tutorial 30 hours into the game, that, just that one change would be like, yeah, okay, this would be all right. <laughs> Let's go get burritos. <laughs> 30 hours. I don't need to throw the ball. Ugh. But that's how you get to feel for the dog, man. <laughs> it's a dog. I didn't need to feel for it. <laughs> Are you telling me? I can't even say too much because I don't want to spoil Red Dead 2. So you know what? No. You're missing my point. For another I'm day. saying the fact that it's a dog, I already connect to it because it is an, it's a pupper. It's a little doggy guy. But these people, fuck them. <laughs> little good boy. We're not talking about Baldur's Gate 3 right now. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're right. We're not talking about Gex either. Uh, but we will be soon. Uh, moving on to the next thing. We have the July PS Plus Extra slash Premium Games uh, for the month. So you get a lot of additions to this actually it's a pretty cool one so on the extra and premium of course side but extra is included with all these it takes two uh ps4 ps5 sniper elite 5 snow runner world war z the ascent undertale spongebob squarepants battle for bikini bottom rehydrated melty blood type lumina dismantle circus electric dynasty warriors 9 samurai warriors 5 my little pony a maritime bay adventure fast and furious spy racers rise of shifter boy tell you what what a name for a game right there Mm -hmm. so you're gonna play it i kind of want to for free yeah (laughs) i would never have bought it but i I kind of want to play original because it was it was like on sale for like nine dollars i'm like this game looks So, so bad is this what is it? Was it a re-release of the one that originally? No, I think came it's a out? sequel. That game got a sequel. You're right. It that did. game was called that game was called Fast and Furious Crossroads, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. So hold on. What is this game then? I thought that's what it was. Nope. Oh man, no. <laughs> what is <laughs> happening? This came out in 2021. Was that not the same year? Did he get two games in one year? 2020. Okay, it was a year apart. Well, now I got to know. Is it a racing game? Okay, I got to play it. It also got a a 6 out of 10 on Steam. (laughs) That's where it's at. 
Oh man, I wanted it to be Crossroads because that game looked weirdly jank, and I was willing to try that out. Maybe that's already on something. You know what I mean? Or didn't that game get delisted already? Um, I'm not sure. No, I don't think it got delisted. Yeah. <laughs> Announced the game would be del- delisted from all platforms by end of April 2022. Yeah, That's so the depressing. original game already got the <laughs> Man, that is rough. That is rough. Uh, but I will try It Takes Two finally. I've been meaning to do it anyway. I think that'll be a good time. I've always heard good things about the Sniper Elite games, but I've only played the very first one and not a whole lot of it. So, yeah, there's there's a lot here. I never got around to The Ascent, which I know you already have, so I really don't need it to do it. But it's cool to see this. World War Z, I've heard good things about. Um, yeah, the game's pretty but good. It's, yeah. So, you know, there's, there's a lot here. But then we get to the PS Plus premium games, the classics they've added. So we have Gravity Crash Portable uh, available for both PS4, PS5, Twisted Metal 1 and Twisted Metal 2. Let's go, baby. Right ahead of the Twisted <laughs> Metal show. I haven't watched it yet. I've been meaning to. But I heard that there's a new trailer for Twisted Metal that is, is. so much better. Oh, yeah. Than- I actually want to see it now. And uh, I'm curious. Because I, I didn't hate the last one. I mean, it also wasn't great, but I didn't hate it. I thought it was a weird choice. I thought it was to bad. show that. I think that that's like you show that in context. I don't know why you would show that out of context, but they're trying to set up the dark humor aspect, I guess, of it. Or, you know, the it being dark but humorous. Um, but yeah, I want to watch the new trailer. But yeah, this is cool. I love Twisted Metal One. Love Twisted Metal Two. I know other people have a very different opinion on this, but I wish we would have seen three and four and small, uh, small brawl and all those added as well. <laughs> but it, it's okay. We'll give it time. We'll give it time. We'll get there. So Chris, so Brett, you played and platinum to Twisted Metal Two. Correct, Mundo. Did you have a good time? Um, I had pockets of a good time. Pocketfuls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pocketfuls of tots. Um, I don't know how to explain it. I don't have nostalgia for Twisted Metal. Really? S- yeah. Did you not I play it much play as a kid? As, I didn't play uh, it at all. Yeah. So I played this and I'm like, I see why this is fun, but this controls like shit and I'm not really enjoying this 90% of the time I'm playing it. Yeah. Twisted Metal 1 and 2 in particular control the. Twisted Metal 1 is so much worse in control. I love the game and yeah. I have great memories of playing it and Twisted Metal 2 as well. I think the first one that actually controlled well, but had other issues that as an adult I can more clearly see, but as a kid I loved it. Twisted Metal 4. Mm, it also had black? Rob Zombie. Uh, no, there's a PS1 game, Twisted okay. Metal 4. Uh, but Twisted Metal Black is the first it's the one that I think you should play. If you have access to it, Twisted Metal Black still plays well, holds up really well. It's, it's been released a couple of times. I'm pretty sure it is. It was on PS3 for sure, and I'm pretty sure it released on PS4. Great game. Chock full of secrets and stuff. So really good time. We have a question here, which I think is probably going to land a little differently for you because of the fact that you don't really have um, the history. Uh, But Stingray X, one of our longtime listeners and former patrons, he said, for the releases of Twisted Metal 1 and 2 for Extra, what's your favorite character of the series? Mine is Axel. As a kid, there was nothing cooler than a guy with wheels for hands shooting a machine gun, uh, which is absolutely true. So I don't know that Chris will have an answer, though I guess he did just play a little bit of Twisted Metal 2. So Chris, do you want to give it a shot? Do you have a a character that kind of stood out to you and what you did play? Thumper. Oh, Thumper's cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
is the one with the fire, right? Um, yes. Yeah. Then that yeah. was Thumper, the little pink, uh, pink Impala or whatever. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Thumper. Was Iconic my favorite car. Player. 100%. Yeah, Thumper was my Iconic favorite. car. Um, I clearly Sweet Tooth is such a big hit for everybody, and he's a very iconic character, and I do love him. Um, but I have a couple other characters that come to mind. Uh, the, the one that actually comes to mind the most, this is also another reason that Black is a fantastic game. Um, Black has like a story for every character, and they're breaking out of a, an asylum. Um and it's it's pretty cool how it works out, but there's this character that you can unlock as a secret character, and he has a story mode once you unlock him. And his name is Minion, and he speaks in text, or he speaks in uh, digits. So when you see it, you can start to get stuff that kind of allows you to decode what he's saying. Uh-huh. And if you take down the notes, you find out that like he's talking in code because he fears that someone can understand and get and hear the messages he's sending out if he doesn't speak in a code. And I don't want to say too much, but his story ends up playing out um, in a pretty cool fashion. And you kind of have this back and forth of slowly, but surely kind of getting his code down and being able to get these different things. It was cool as shit as a kid. It was one of those cool meta games where you're like, this is awesome. I can't believe uh, this exists. But it's also just, I think it fits the tone and themes of Twisted Metal really well. Is he the same minion from Twisted Metal 2? Uh, no. Got it. Well, I mean, it makes Which sense. Which is also an interesting thing in Twisted him. Metal. There are, there are <coughs> characters across games that switch up. It's really yeah. hard to describe, but yeah. It's like some one character in one game may be different. Because like in, in certain games, you'll see that... Um, and it depends on how you go, but like you know, the taxi that is uh, what's his name, Miles Kane or whatever. I can't even think of it what right now, but it's it's twisted metal, it's twisted metal, it's um, Sweet Tooth's dad because Sweet Tooth is Needles Kane. <laughs> and depending on which version that you go through, hold on, uh, I think it may be two that it makes it. Uh, the father of Sweet Tooth is Charlie Kane. Yeah. Dark Tooth. Hmm. Yeah, he's in Twisted Metal 2, right? I'm pretty sure he's in 2. Yeah, I can't remember which one boss. where you get to see his name. That was the, that was the yeah, thing. Twisted Metal 2, it's you fight Dark Tooth and then you fight like just the skull flying around. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting series. And I kind of always have liked that it's like a collection of stories where all of them are just like you seeing someone go through the Calypso and then getting their final wish of what they want granted. And it's mm-hmm. always some twisted, perverse version of what they actually wanted. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a great time. Um, it's, it's funny because I've actually been not playing as much games lately in part because I decided to start rewatching the original Yu-Gi-Oh! anime. Oh. And uh, the original Yu-Gi-Oh! manga is really weird because it's kind of like playing Super games dark. and having things work out in weird, twisted, dark ways that aren't what you think of the American, you know, dub slash very censored version that came over here. We've been watching, uh, we're, we've, we got into the beginning of Battle City for anyone who knows about that. And there's uh, the duel with Arcane where it, it's clearly... It's clearly saw blades that they're locked into and they're saw blades. And as they lose life points, the saw blades come to cut uh-huh. their legs off and kill them. Jesus uh, Christ. But in the 
American version where they tried censoring the hell out of it. Their kisses. They just they just made them they just drew over the saw blades by making them glowing disc and called them dark energy disc. And if it touches your leg, you get sent to the shadow realm. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife was like, that's clearly a saw blade. <laughs> and it is. I was telling my wife that the shadow realm is one of the odd examples of censorship actually censorship trying to make something more kid friendly actually made something more horrifying in my opinion because death is death and it kind of you kind of you know you understand what it is to some degree but trying to make it to where no one dies and instead everyone goes to the shadow realm it's fucking terrifying because they describe the shadow realm as a place where your body and mind really your mind your soul, whatever you want to call it, goes to for eternity to be tortured with no way out as far as, far as we can tell. That sounds fucking horrifying. But that's what was that that's what's better for American children. <laughs> Crazy. They removed guns from people's hands. This is very Dude. Bandit Keith just pointing at <laughs> at Pegasus's head. It's like, what? Why would anyone even do that? At that yeah. point, just draw the fucking uh, arm off. Just have right. him talking. <laughs> if you're going to draw out the gun, just get rid of the whole arm. Just draw it like he's standing with his arm beside him and talking to Pegasus. Because <laughs> who points at someone like this? Yeah. When the guys walk in to Kaiba's room and they're like, Mr. Pegasus wants to talk to you. And they, they're just both pointing their fingers. It's like It looks like finger guns, which is even more funny. <laughs> But these are also the same people that made cigarettes, you know, for kids. They made cigarettes into suckers in one piece. So, yeah. yeah Sanji's which, always know. got a sucker. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing he always says. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of Minion. Uh, but there's a lot of cool characters uh, in Twisted Metal 4. And Twisted Metal 4 had a lot of fun gameplay things. There's this level, I think it's the first level of the game, where you can, like, operate this crane and pick cars up and fuck them up. It's, uh, Twisted Metal 4 is a great time. A lot of people didn't like what it did from a story perspective because there's a lot of Twisted Metal three and four are both really goofy, and I don't think that um, I think both of them are made without David Jaffe at all. Like they were just like, yeah, this game series is doing well. Let's keep pumping them out. <laughs> so, <laughs> Let's keep twisting that metal. Yeah, the first know, one he yeah, came back to was black, which is good time. So yeah, had a lot of fun. Um, had a lot of frustration. That New York level is awful, but uh, Paris is pretty cool. So Paris is cool. Yeah. Being able to like fight, uh, you know, right underneath the Eiffel Tower is yeah. pretty sweet. Fire b- bombs off the Eiffel Tower. It is a very. I love the game, and I know it controls like shit. But it is a. It's nostalgia city. It's oh, it's such a cool game. Yeah, it seemed like if I had more appreciation uh, in my past, I would have liked it. Because even what I did like, it was. I think the biggest reason I started to dislike it was the Amazon level. Because oh, it was yeah. very difficult because that's where Minion is. But then you also can't you can't drive into the lava, you get hurt, and the controls are so brutal that you I was always in the lava. That one was rough. Yeah, you go very fast in that game, which is kind mm-hmm. of impressive for how old it was on PS1 too. But yeah, direct is it at least supporting the uh the analog stick in this one? Yes. I don't know if that's really better though, because if you didn't go in and fix the game, it's probably just emulating the the directional pad under the analog stick, which is it's not it's rough. I didn't notice turning being terrible. Reversing that's was good. terrible. 
Reversing uh, is rough. Uh, Twisted Metal's PS3 release that was just called Twisted Metal. I love the driving in that one. I think that that one feels the best to just straight up play. It feels really good. Okay. It's like they just looked at a racing game and was like, yeah, racing games have this figured out. Why would we not just borrow that? Yeah. The rumor is that Fire Sprite is making a new Twisted Metal. All right. Hear me out. Right. It would take 35 years because this developer takes forever. Give it to Polyphony. <laughs> you know, it's like, funny because the team that went on to make Polyphony or become Polyphony in name mm-hmm. uh, actually made Motor Tune Grand Prix, which was, <laughs> in a sense, like a kart racing style game, even though it was like yeah. real tracks and characters. And there was car combat in it in a way because it was, you know, you crash a box, you get a power up and yeah, you can shoot it. Crashing so boxes. It's, not, it's not super out of their historical wheelhouse. Listen, all I'm saying, Jim Ryan walks in there and he's like, all right, guys, we'll give you the budget to take pictures under a hundred more cars. <laughs> you guys can mold tires on every car for the next game, but you have to make us a twisted metal in VR. <laughs> oh, dude, <laughs> VR twisted metal where it's first person perspective would be Kind of sick. Give it, I also look, imagine it would be really hard because part of the way that Twist Metal works is that you can see around you because, I, I don't know, if you made it, I'm curious. I'm genuinely hey, curious if someone's work. been able to figure that out. Because it's 360, right? So you, could just, the, you can look all the way around or you hit a button and it pops out. But uh, yeah, let me have a Dude. racing wheel. Yeah. 10 out of 10. Like full pedals and everything, I'm in. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. And if I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, you know, like actual car, like racing car wheels, have got all these different buttons and crap on them, which mm-hmm. you could easily be like, yeah, this is buttons for different. This yeah. is my super. This is my heat seeking missile. missile. Here's this, my napalm. <laughs> yeah. And I love that idea because realistically, there's so many buttons on that racing controller that you could just have a fucking blast. Yeah. It'd be really fun. That's the biggest selling point. If for nothing else, VR. someone needs to make a. VR car combat game. 100%. 100%. I'd love to buy VR and have the wheel and the pedals. Just be like, yo, dad, you got to try this. It'd be so sick. I don't even know how much I would play it, but I have a feeling my dad would play that more than I did. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you right now, when you do finally buy PSVR and you have your built-in catalog of games I've been buying for it, Synapse included now, um, then I'm going to fuck you up in mini golf because I... On one of the courses we did, we did the first nine. So uh, who knows if I would have kept it up. But we ended the first nine. I was at a negative three or a negative two, which is, mm-hmm. inc- mm, I just, you know. Immaculate. I, I had a hole in one. Yeah, I was, I was hitting birdies left and right. I had a good time. You don't hit birds. That's fucked up. Yeah, you don't hit birdies. What the fuck, man? Uh, so, yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited to play that again. I, had a, I actually was actively sad that the only way I sold my Oculus Quest 2 I might have should have kept it because I could have bought this game on Oculus Quest. It's and gotten good crossplay, <laughs> and me and Hannah could have played together. It's that. Oh, fun. that would be fun, yeah. But now I'd have to either buy another Oculus Quest two, or buy another PlayStation Five, another PSVR, <laughs> the second one. She can earn trophies for you too. Look at that! You just become a farm. You're a VR content farm. <laughs> Knock them out, please. Left and right. That's actually <laughs> a lot of VR trophies, too. Our VR Platinums that are fairly easy. Yeah. That I've just never gotten around to. 
But all right, those are the games. We got a couple of things left here on the news. Uh, thank you for the question, Stingray. Uh, Chris, you got to play black. When you do t- when you do a sweet tooth super and you turn into like a transformer and you're running around as a fucking sweet tooth mech, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, does it have Lena's a plug in it. Yes, <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> She's Adam twenty two is the boss at the end. He's like, <laughs> it's just him in that fucking hotel room chair that goes in the corner facing the bed, and he's just shooting at you. It's a very specific jo- joke. jokes aside. Andrew Tate would be hilarious in a Twisted Metal game. Dude, I would play a car combat game with just toxic right-wing personalities. (laughs) (laughs) I would just play one where it's just all political, like all toxically political personalities. That would be fucking funny. Fucking Steven Crowder is in there just shooting out bars from his chest or whatever The premise of the show is that this is how we will finally decide which (laughs) political alignment is right. And the person who plays as the Calypso in this is just like some libertarian dude who's like, mm, yes, we'll get rid of them all. It's Gary Johnson just like, I'm doing it. <laughs> that would be so good. Oh, oh my God. Chris, we got to make games, man. What Adventure are we doing with our lives here? <laughs> this his has su- potential. He, his super would be, he, he has a bobblehead of himself on his car. And whenever he goes, he just starts talking very fast and the words start coming out and hitting him. <laughs> Yeah. Instead of a machine gun, he's just got weaponized <laughs> words. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. I love that. That's just such a good time. It's anything that you can kind of just have, like take the piss out of for a second is always a, is a fun, fun time. Oh, uh, all right. We have the next piece of news here right before we get to the final, and I guess main thing we're going to spend time talking about. Um, we have Toomba and the Gex trilogy are coming to modern consoles alongside some others by way of limited run games and the Carbon Engine, a tool set that helps emulators interact with modern hardware. So the Carbon Engine has been used a few times for a few different games. Um, I don't have the list in front of me, but I, it's, it's a very cool way for them to try and bring new games forward without having to really do much work on them. So the idea is that the Carbon Engine is telling the PlayStation 5 or Xbox or Switch or whatever how to properly emulate the game so that it's basically a one-on-one. These are the first you're games playing using that collection, uh, using the Carbon Engine. So is there another? I swore there was a game. Maybe Jurassic they were just talking Park, about Classic, Gex Trilogy, and Tomb. Yeah, I knew they were talking about And then this, there's so like yeah, some house game. I must just be wrong. Alone in the House or something like that that they talked mm-hmm. about, bringing that forward. Um, oh, yeah, see? Yeah, that's what I thought. This isn't the first. River City Girls Zero Enchante. Um, oh, really? The, the only Boy thing Color, that yeah. IGN I, think I, I knew it existed. Is, uh, is Jurassic Park and Gex and stuff. Yeah, so apparently that's because... Oh, that's those are four games that are coming from PlayStation. So currently the Carbon Engine supports NES, SNES, Genesis, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, Game Gear, Master System, and... With the release of these games, it'll now support PlayStation, Sega CD, and uh, Mega CD. So, you know, the Mega CD, Sega CD are just various uh, regional names. So, yeah, the the games they already have that have shipped with it, there's more than just this, but these are the top ones, is Shantae and uh, River City Girls Zero. So, pretty cool. Um, it's, it's a nice idea cool. because sometimes the problems you run into is if you try and just port the game, you run into a lot of issues where sometimes just emulating it the way it was originally built helps. 
<laughs> with compatibility, not messing things up. Um, so this is a cool idea. Gax is a beloved thing. A lot of people have been wanting him to come back. And I don't think you're going to get him coming back in any kind of new game. I would love to see it. I could, mm-hmm. I'd love to be proven wrong. But I think the most financially obvious way is just to bring back the old games and let people relive those glory days again. Yeah. I don't know, dude. I'm, a, a game that is truly a Gex game in spirit and everything nah. today, I don't know. If it's being made today, that game is going to get a hit. <laughs> with oh, a yeah. Lot we of start hearing about species gaps and all this kind of stuff. The 41-year-old lizard can't be in the same scene as the 61-year-old actor. It's going to be crazy. Oh, that Mission Impossible thing. I was laughing. <laughs> Blake shared it to Twitter. I was like, she's fucking 41. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, guys, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? And what was more funny is I read the article out of curiosity. And I laughed so hard at the article. was like, it should be noted that they're not always the love interest. And I'm like, so you're just saying a 41-year-old shouldn't be able to act with a 61-year-old? Yeah, basically. That's basically what they said. I was like, this Wild is stupid. Times. Wild times indeed. But the leading lady can't be so much younger. No. It would be funny to have a modern game where it's it's do the the modern deconstructive take where it's Gex as an older lizard. Now they max pain three. It <laughs> and he's like reevaluating his whole life and everything he's done. He's living in Brazil. <laughs> he's a maggotaholic and just can't do anything. Oh dude, that would be super funny. Like he he's trying and like, so you'll see him like start to say like a slip of the, mm. he like stops himself. He's like, that life's behind me. <laughs> he's got like a grumbled voice. He's got like a beard. <laughs> the game ends setting up a sequel with him opening a sunglasses case. <laughs> oh no. Uh, a stripper cop knocks on his door. Yeah. <laughs> we need you Gex. <laughs> Gex, it's Back time. at it one more time. <laughs> it's get, it's Gex yeah. time. Oh, man. I do love those games. But, it, it, but this is one of those things where I think a, a large selection of people, and I, I say this with love, are going to play this game and realizing that they do like the game insofar as the nostalgia, but what they really loved about the game was the version of it that lived in their memory. Absolutely. That's all yeah. old games. Well, but there's some old games that you replay and you're like, okay, th- yeah, this is still a fantastic... Like, dude, even though I hadn't played Shadow of the Colossus in forever, whenever I played that remake, I was like, this game is still fucking incredible. Yeah. But, but that's it's because remade. it's designed in a way... Well, no, but I even mean, if you remade Gex for what it was and all you did was make the graphics better and maybe fix the controls, but you kept the core of the gameplay loop and everything the same, you'd be like, this is, this is kind of a rough game. I just hope we get Blake's I heard someone, uh, someone the other day was talking about replaying, and it's funny because I was like, Chris did that. But someone uh, was talking about replaying Infinite for the first time since they since it came out. And they were, like, I, they were like, I still like aspects of the game, but I resent a lot of the game because of this and this and poor writing and confusing blah, blah, blah. And I was like, it's so funny because he's saying like he loved it so much when it first came out, but now that he's playing it again and looking back on it, that there's a lot of problems that the game is. And I'm like, it's funny because Chris was like, yeah, this game still fucking is awesome. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, and I haven't played it in so long. I don't know, but I feel like I would land on the, yeah, this game's still fucking awesome. What game like, are yeah, you talking about? Bioshock I... Infinite. 
Oh. Oh, I, I, I may have infamous. not said that. My bad. But, uh, you know, Bioshock Infinite. Uh, and we, we got on the conversation about playing old games. And if it's better to have a game that you love just be a game you don't ever replay so that you can continue to love it in perpetuity. Um, and in my head, I was like, yeah, but I've loved Infamous 2 for years. And when I replayed it, I was like, yeah, this game is still it's perfect. It's it's everything that Infamous should and could be, and it's everything that the follow-up game wasn't. And if they made a new one now, I'd hope they'd look to this one. So it's it's funny. Not all gaming heroes hold up to the test of time, but some of them do. I like, just think you, you Ocarina sometimes... Ocarina of Time is still a classic game. Like, it's still sure. fun. I think just sometimes, like, when I play old games, I'm like, I recognize what I'm playing. And I think that's part of keeping it in check. Like, I played a little bit of Marvel Ultimate Alliance too. And like it's it can it's not great, but it's really good for what I'm playing, you know. Yeah, so. like playing the uh, playing the Wolverine game that you that I still have that you let me borrow. But uh, yeah, playing the X Men Origins Wolverine from Raven, that game is clearly a PS3 game. Yeah, but it was it's fun. Absolutely fun. Like yeah, like the story is shit, but the story of the movie is shit. If anything, the story in the game may be better than the story in the movie actually. <laughs> but it's not very good. It's just, you kind of take it for what it is and have a good time. So, I mean, I'm not messed up about it. Uh, all right, we're down to the last thing here. And that is that Activision and Blizzard, uh, I rather, I guess in this case, Microsoft and Xbox have won the FTC trial against, uh, or won the trial against the FTC to allow them to move forward with the Activision Blizzard purchase at least in america that means that that's a pretty big win the only blockage railroad whatever you want to say the the only thing that's in the way right now is the cma and the cma have already uh kind of worked with microsoft to not go to trial start revisiting how they can get this through and revisit some of how microsoft will reapproach um that so that they don't have to do that and we may see this go now part of this is that um originally this most recent tuesday the uh, 18th i guess was the original deadline for the merger to go through they have announced today that they extended that and they have until october to close it now which i don't think that they would have extended it if they didn't think it was going to go through and i think that there's another piece of evidence that makes you think that they seem pretty damn confident um if it does fail for some reason, Activision Blizzard now stands to make four and a half billion dollars. Yeah. If Microsoft has to back out of the purchase, uh, which is a considerable step up from what if I recall was a billion dollars if they, you know, almost a billion dollars if they backed out of it before. So, Chris, with that, we reached a point of seeing some things that were happening in the backside of Xbox Live and seeing how some old Call of Duty games and whatnot were being prepped and primed to be available on Game Pass, or at least available on Xbox. Seeing some of these lobbies open back up and whatnot for some older <laughs> games get active again. What Now that we're kind of on the other side of it, we've been not talking a lot about it because... There wasn't a lot to talk about. But now that we're reaching a point where it genuinely seems like there's no reason it won't close, how are you feeling with everything that's happened? Sony getting a 10-year deal for Call of Duty, finally doing the thing that they refused to do for so long, being the only people that really held out. What do you make of this, and how do you think it's going to impact the industry at this particular standpoint? 
Um, I guess in terms of Call of Duty, I personally think this was pretty good work by Jim Ryan, honestly. Um, short of blocking the deal, it's kind of everything you could have asked for from him. Like, I know people are really stuck on the, like, oh, from they had an agreement for all Activision titles for three years and that they all could have been on the, the PlayStation platform. But I think uh, it's pretty clear that to them, 10 years is more valuable than three years of, or 10 years of Call of Duty is more valuable than everything. Uh, and oh, sure. I think I would agree with and that. What else does Activision really do besides Blizzard? And which I get is, that. Their game's out. The, <laughs> yeah. yeah like, the, the game that everyone was waiting for on them is out. And it's not, it's Blizzard. There's not going to be another game before December 31st, 2027, which was when it would have run out, according to those emails. It's, they take forever. So, you know, by the time you get in that, you might get some stuff like a oh, Crash Team Rumble and maybe a new Tony Hawk right right around the tail end or something along those lines. But who's to say that Microsoft doesn't just put out everything in the immediate future and they go, oh, you, you've got a Crash Bandicoot that's about two and a half years out? How about you make it three years and one day out? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's no, I think just well, guaranteeing yourself Call of Duty is kind of the right move here. Yeah, and like you said, 10 years of the biggest seller and the biggest thing that they can see continued uh, revenue on. And the reason they want Call of Duty is not only for the game selling, but for all the microtransaction income that it brings yeah. in. Um, because every single time that someone does something, they get that 30% rather than that just single time. So when you look at it that way, I can see that as well. So if we're looking at this strictly from what Sony were doing, I don't necessarily know that Jim Ryan thinks that he, that he's failed. I think what he was trying to do is just find a way to try and weaken that position and make people question and get in a position to where at the end of it all, they still get a version of what they want. If I go out to just me as an individual, as a consumer, someone who thinks, okay, maybe I won't have access to Activision Blizzard titles outside of Call of Duty from the day of closure onward, how does that impact me? And I think that there's a version of, uh, there's a time period in which I could see that and be like, man, that sucks. But because it's so, because Activision has become so Call of Duty driven, I, I may have a one or two games in the next five years where I'm like, ah, damn, that's kind of cool. But I don't think it's going to be something that I feel as much as I feel like I'm going to see this with Bethesda's games. Like, I think there's going to be more games from ZeniMax's side where I'm like, ah, damn, that kind of sucks. I really would have liked to have played that on, on my console of choice. Uh, I can still play it. I have an Xbox. But, you know, I think, oh, Starfield would have been cool to play on PlayStation 5. Oh, um, you know... And these are different purchases, so I know it's a little different. So if we want to look at it from a publisher standpoint, playing the next thing that comes from Arcane, that's you know other than Redfall, hopefully is is something great. And now I have to go ah maybe I won't see that. Playing whatever comes next from uh, we we already see that with High Five Rush, but whatever comes next from the team behind uh, Ghostwire Tokyo, you have that problem going on. Whatever comes next from uh, Machine Games, which we know is at least Indiana Jones, maybe more than that. Um, and you keep going down that list. I think I could see more times where I'm hit by Bethesda than I am Activision, but that's just because Activision has become an, amp, an empire built on the back of Call of Duty. And that means that 90% of what they do and what they develop and what they worry about is Call of Duty. Correct. 
It's like everyone so, getting really hyped to like, oh, now you know, oh, now ra- maybe Microsoft will have Raven make a Singularity game. It's like, no, the fuck they won't. Singularity <laughs> didn't sell well when it baby. came out. But yeah. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. As a fan, I would love to see them make another Singularity. That game is awesome. Sure. But that game didn't sell well even when it came out. Not not well enough to go, yeah, let's take this team off of Call of Duty, which sucks. Because I'll tell you what I would want to see is take High Moon Studios off of being a Call of Duty support studio and let them get back to making games. But here's the problem. The High Moon that made the games that I loved, Deadpool, the Transformers games, yeah, the people who made those games that wanted to make original titles, they're not there. They left. Right. That is that's a studio in name only, and at some yeah. point you have to give up the ghosts and just say, you know, they're not there. Right. So exactly. what does it matter? They all went to fucking respawn. I don't know. Um, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I, I I don't know. I just in terms of what it means for PlayStation is I I think Jim Ryan said it well himself. We'll be more than fine, <laughs> and they will be. I've maintained. So, Phil Spencer's maintained guest of the show or friend of the show, Luke lore has maintained that Xbox lost the most important generation that they could not lose because digital libraries are far too important. So I don't think Sony ever really loses their position of power, which in terms of that, I don't think call of duty comes off PlayStation just like overwatch three is not coming off PlayStation. Just like people talking about, oh, what if WoW finally hits consoles? Are you gonna you actually gonna sit here and tell me that WoW is gonna skip PlayStation? Maybe, but a hundred like a hundred million consoles, they're gonna be like, nah, the twenty million we got is good. No, <laughs> I, that's always been the thing with Activision. Is like you're gonna lose the next Crash Bandicoot probably, which is wild. You're gonna lose the that next Cyro because Crash Bandicoot Four was awesome. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna lose Tony Hawk. You're going to lose Hexen. You're going to lose Prototype. But you're not going to lose Blizzard. You're not going to lose Call of Duty. It's just, it's it's not financially feasible because of the types of games they are. Now, if Blizzard makes a single-player Warcraft game, you might not get that on PlayStation. But the games like Diablo 4, which are monumental titles, they're gonna, they're, they'll come. Even if they come late, they'll be on PlayStation. In my opinion. I am curious because I think Starfield would have been that too, and clearly that's not happening. I thought it was really interesting that they are looking at the business side of it again, right? Um, Microsoft evaluated that Starfield would sell two – Starfield and Indiana Jones would sell ten would sell 5 million copies yep. each. Or I think it was 5 million, um, which is kind of crazy because I don't know that that number really is right. Oh, I, think it, I think for Starfield, it could very well be more. <laughs> I think that's what I'm saying. I think Starfield alone could probably have been 10 million units. Well, I think they but had said we also 10 million don't know together. The, so, yeah, yeah. Or each. Um, so, I, I think I thought it was 10 million total. But I don't know. It's who knows? Fine. Either way, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing because you look at it and go, well, I mean, they're clearly going through what they view as the value of this. And in their mind, they viewed this as we'll take the hit because the value that we'll get from Game Pass subscribers and blah, blah, blah will be beneficial to them. Um, and with all of the money that Xbox is spending on this and all of this stuff they're doing where it's like, well, we're going to do this. We're going to forego releasing on everything so that we can get the boost to game pass subscribers and it's going to work. I do wonder as someone who has an Xbox interacts with it and interacts with game pass as a, as a subservice, 
genuine question, no hate, no stink, no nothing. Um, what is Microsoft's plan if that doesn't work? What is Microsoft's plan if Starfield, one of the biggest, probably very expensive games to come out in a long time, comes out on Game Pass and doesn't really move this, the Game Pass needle at all? And I'm not saying I think that will happen, but what if it does? What do they do? Because, you know, if your entire thing of why you chose to forego a release on PlayStation for that game was because you did internal numbers, saw that it was at least large enough to be in the multiple millions, which, you know, any game can hope to get multiple millions on any console, and you go, it's okay, we can take the hit because we're going to see that what we lose out in income from PlayStation, we gain back in Game Pass subs and Game Pass talk and... What do you do if it doesn't work? And there's a lot of questions that people need to look at now, and I don't think that the answer is that Microsoft's going to divest themselves from gaming or close or anything. So I'm not saying this and that you should fear that Bethesda and, and Activision will have been bought by a company that will one day close its doors and just let those die with them. I don't think that's what would happen. But it does, as someone who's on there, like my curiosity comes up. What happens? What do they do? Do they continue to raise the price of Game Pass like we're seeing with Netflix where they saw subscriber growth kind of come to a halt? So they stop password sharing and they start raising the price of the service left and right because they still have to spend more money to try and keep the people they already have invested. But also in doing so, they need to make more money off of the people who are invested while hopefully trying to bring in some new people. It's a it's a somewhat risky business model because of how much money they're pumping into trying to make this work in the long run. Um, mm. Genuine curiosity. What happens? I don't know yeah. if any reasonable person knows the answer. <laughs> no, you can't. That's not Microsoft, you know? It's Yeah, it's impossible to know. I don't... I have trouble believing in the big bet of Game Pass. And I think the most concerning thing for me is the big bet of Game Pass is taking off one of the biggest money makers for... Well, I guess it's really not. They own the biggest money maker for them in terms of a game. You know? So who knows? But putting that game straight into Game Pass and then... I don't know. I don't know how that sustains itself. I genuinely don't understand it. And it's just... they It's Microsoft, and that's the answer, right? The answer is it's Microsoft. But I don't think that's good for the Xbox brand and it's not good for Activision necessarily. Well, because just because Microsoft it, can take from one account to pay the other doesn't mean they're going to do that forever. I had a conversation with someone and they were like, well, it's Microsoft. They can just, they can just absorb all of it. And I'm like, but no company you, wants to lose forever. Exactly. You can't keep pumping. Like say they buy take two now for 50, probably a hundred billion dollars at this point. Right. Who knows? Probably not that much, but they buy take two and then they, they, uh, Phil's got to look at Satya and be like, we're, not, we're spending a hundred billion dollars on, on stuff that's losing money, but eventually 80 million people will subscribe to game pass. Uh, okay. Is that enough when all of these games are going in their day one? That seems crazy. That seems crazy. I think, you know, 
and I know where Luke was coming from on it, but you know, you, you spoke of Luke uh, coming into the show, <clears throat> and you know, he talked about he thinks one day Sony will basically match Xbox. Not and sure. the more I've thought about that, in particular with that thought process of well, what what if it doesn't work? I think the problem that you run into is I am unsure how reasonably Microsoft and Xbox specifically would be able to come back from doing away with Game Pass or changing Game Pass so fundamentally that it's no longer that value proposition they've been toting it as. If they ever have to stop that and reevaluate how their money's going in because it's just not turning the fortunes the way they thought they were going to, um, then I, you kind of go through that. But I look at PlayStation and go, yeah, I don't think PlayStation could come back. They don't have a backup. They don't have something that can support them for a bit if that doesn't work. And Nintendo's got a lot of money, but I don't think Nintendo does either. So when you start looking at the gaming landscape, I mean, if anyone was going to take this chance, I think the only one who could was Microsoft. But I don't necessarily know that that means that everyone else is going to join them and jump into the bed. And if it does, it's probably going to come off the back of the death of the big three as we know mm-hmm. them. And that doesn't have to be an inherently bad thing. But it's like the only other people who I know that may have the money to do that would have been Google and Amazon. And Google are already, they already Apple. got in and got out. Yeah, maybe. I mean, how big, and I say this well, with a true sense of ignorance, how big of a company is Apple in Apple comparison has, to a Microsoft? Last, I remember reading the Steve Jobs biography, and they talked about in that, that book about how Apple has billions just in the bank. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like ready to spend. And here's the thing, right? And this is a lot of modern stuff you know coming into my head right but if you if you look at the recent news that bob Iger is looking to sell disney right apple might be interested in buying disney right yeah could apple not also merge with sony or invest in or buy sony and then now disney apple and sony are all under the same microsoft um under the same company right that seems like somewhere this industry could go which is a weird place to have taken that but it's it's, it's just it's interesting think about that sony is now making marvel games just for themselves and they there's no reason not to you know all of this kind of stuff happens there's yeah. a lot of ways this could go <clears throat> so looking at it just for anybody who may have been interested um <clears throat> apple in comparison to google google is uh, valued at 309 billion apples valued at 309.5 million or billion rather um so i think yeah i mean microsoft I guess, is trillions right i think let's find out 2. <laughs> good lord 2.64 trillion dollars see and that's the problem and right and that's that's what i go into like the, i i still go through who else re in the tech sphere at all who else besides microsoft really has the money to do that i don't i don't know <sighs> that's that's crazy Meta, sony maybe? sony is valued at 120.1 billion yeah 
That's considerably lower than Trillions, the competition. Yeah. <laughs> That's considerably lower than Disney. Disney's $159.5 billion. Yeah. That's insane. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't even... Nintendo... Um, let's see where they are. $8.33 trillion. Nintendo is eight point three three trillion. Is that what yeah? You said? But it is it is JPY. So I wonder if it's eight point three three trillion USD or if that's no. If that, that's yen. yen and yen is like point zero zero three of the dollar or point zero point zero seven maybe. <clears throat> Let me find out. Eight point three trillion yen to USD. Let's see if. <laughs> Yeah, fifty nine billion. That sounds yeah. a lot, a lot more accurate. That makes way yeah. Sense. So they they they're valued in at fifty nine point one two billion, which makes them considerably smaller than Sony. Which Sony's got a lot of other stuff, and Nintendo actually has a fairly good chunk of other stuff too. But yeah, now I know this is a, a weird thing, but. Last one I'm gonna look. Netflix company value, two hundred twelve point thirty one billion. And Netflix, we're seeing kind of scramble in the face of so much competition. Um, so I don't know. I, I th- my bigger question is: is a lot of people look at this and they think that this has to be setting a precedent for how the uh, industry will go moving forward. And I just don't know if that's the case. I I genuinely don't think anyone else can afford to do this unless they grow at a crazy amount. Now the flip side of this is Microsoft would be fine if they ever had to really undo it because when you own all the IP and all these developers. And you go back, if you're releasing your game on everything and you're just acting as the publishing holder, I mean, you've got a lot of money in hand and you've got a lot of places bringing money in. So mm-hmm. I'm, maybe that's their maybe that's their thing is that we just go back to being a publisher. And I don't think they would want to do that, but maybe that is what their backside is. Hey, if, if Game Pass does not work, we will just now become a publisher who owns all these sub-publishers and that would, have some of the most iconic you know, That would make a ton history. of sense. Make a yeah, ton of that, sense. Yeah. And listen, here's the thing with the Activision Blizzard thing, if we can just be real for a second. I've been looking at buying a Series X recently. Like, yeah, I have one. Yeah. I, and, I, and, and I bought it for a completely different... I bought it I bought it to play Oblivion 4K, which is a stupid reason to buy a console, if I'm being honest. A $500 console. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. The reason I want to buy it is because I want to play Modern Warfare 2. Like, real bad. <laughs> there you go. But so they're, they're getting to a point where it's not a worthless purchase. To, to spend no, the five hundred dollars, sure. it never was. But as a PlayStation gamer before Bethesda, and certainly before ABK, I, I I didn't need an Xbox. Now I do, or now I want to ha- at least have the option there. Well, it's funny because you still don't for new releases, right? Because you can still play them on PC, and that's the weird balancing act that they have. Um, if Xbox was still, but it doesn't make sense for Game Pass to be limited to console. It makes more sense for it to be console, phone, game uh, system, and all that, uh, PC rather. So to that end, I don't know. It's just such a weird idea uh, idea to see here. Uh, do you think switching gears a little bit before we move on to the questions? Um, some people think that Sony's answer to this has to be a retaliatory a retaliatory act of buying someone. 
Do you think you agree with that? Do you think that's even in the wheelhouse of what Sony's actually looking at? Or do you think Sony's just like, yeah, we're going to double down and still just do what we've been doing? Um, I've had a sneeze building for like three minutes. And I've it visually won't happen. seen it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think they're going to have to buy something. I would say this, but do you think they're only buying out of retaliation to this, or do you yes. think they're going to announce a buy that they were already going to do, or they were already looking into prior to this? Uh, I mean, I think there's possibility for both, right? If they announce tomorrow that they bought CD Projekt Red, I'd be like, that's retaliation. But if they announce tomorrow, hey, we bought Ember Labs, I'd be like, okay. You know, it depends who. Even Square yeah. Enix... I wouldn't necessarily be like, yeah, that's retaliation. It's probably retaliation, but sure, makes sense. Um, I just don't. I don't see why they'd want publishers. If it was me, I would make strategic, strategic picks. There's publishers that I would think they should buy, absolutely, but I don't know that they should. I think, you know. Focus on your needs. Go, okay, we're going to buy a Larian. And how much does it take to get Jason West out of retirement to run a studio for a shooter, right? You know, buy Larian, be a WRPG guy. Get it, make a team with him. You know, go to the source. Make a third-person shooter, cover-based shooter with Cliffy B. Like, I would rather see interesting shit. And then be like, yeah, we bought Capcom. Suck my dick, Phil. See, like, that's, that's what I was say. I think the only thing that would feel retaliatory is if they bought a publisher. CD Projekt Red isn't really a publisher mm-hmm. uh, in that sense. So I think I could see them like, you know, they're what, 3.65 billion, 3.56 billion, um, somewhere around there. But point being, that feels like Bungie. That feels like a Bungie purchase, which I don't think is necessarily retaliatory in any real sense. CD I think Project that's that filling 3. a gap. 5. billion. Okay. So point of all of that being the bungee buy didn't feel retaliatory to me. It felt we have a hole in what we can create that we need to fill and we have a real need for it. And I think if you look at what they don't have in RPGs and what Xbox does have, I think a CD project red, even at 4 billion doesn't feel retaliatory. It feels like they recognize an area that they don't really have a great answer for. And this is an easy way to pick that up and pull it in. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I think you look at, like you say, you know, buying Amber Labs, or which is like, okay, we're gonna, and that would be significantly cheaper, and it'd be like we're gonna, we're adding to the type of games we're already known for. Um, we're, and then you have maybe if they were to buy Larian, like that would also probably be, a, and I'm not saying they will, but I think the only thing that would really seem retaliatory to me is if they were like, yeah, we're buying Ubisoft, because you know Ubisoft's been talking <laughs> about being poised to sell. I don't um, think Ubisoft would be retaliatory. If they tried, if they tried buying Ubisoft, or if they tried buying Take Two, or if they even tried buying Capcom, then I could feel like it's a little retaliatory. Square Enix would not surprise me. I don't even. That would just seem like this has been in the making and not necessarily because of anything. It just makes sense. Um, yeah, but that's about it. I think buying a publisher is the only thing that would feel. Um, Scale-wise, retaliatory. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like we're in M and A already. So yeah. buying buying anybody right now kind of feels like well, it's not retaliation. It's preemptive striking. It's you yeah. try to buy so no one else can beat you to it. Yeah, I don't even think anything is retaliation right now because 
you can't retaliate against a sixty-nine billion dollar purchase. You can can't. you can only look Take at two, that because that would probably be a similarly valued purchase somewhere I, in that ballpark. I would imagine. But here's the th- here's the question I've had for myself and listeners who listen to other podcasts. I will probably send this question in, but it's an interesting conversation for the two oh, of us. Take two is only twenty five point seven four billion. Yeah, there's I, the, one of the tweets I sent you has all that information. It has EA, oh, okay, Take cool. Two, Nexon, all of them. At what point, like, let's say Sony goes out and buys Sega and Capcom, and fuck it, throw in uh, Ubisoft in there for good measure. At what point do we get to a future where? Phil Spencer has to call Jim Ryan and be like, "All right, we can't, we can't afford to lose Resident Evil. We'll give you Bethesda, right?" At what point does he go? I've made inroads with Atlas. You can have Starfield. You can have Elder Scrolls Six, right? Because doesn't this all end up coming back to the games just going everywhere again because it makes the most sense? Yeah, I don't know. You would think so, but we've not really reached that point on streaming content. And streaming is the same form of business model. I and don't a agree hyper with you, aggressive take. You because don't think we, so? We do. How so? I, I, okay. So I'm watching Suits for the second time this year. Sure. It's on Great Netflix show. and I think Fantastic it's also on show. Hulu, right? It or it's was. On- no, it got taken off Amazon and put on Netflix. Yeah. So while. The original but do you know what I mean? It's, it's not on everything. No, for sure. But what I'm saying is that while, yes, it's not on everything right now, it, it eventually makes its way to everything, you know, other than stuff that's been straight up bought out. But again, this is not, this is specific, right? Let's say Netflix will always own Breaking Bad, but they can give suits to Amazon and Amazon can give them house, right? So this is what we're looking at where, Forza, Gears, Halo. It's clearly not a good Halo, example because it's not Fable. like Forza. It's not like Forza is going to come to PlayStation. Let's let's use a let, let's use a an actual third party one. It's not like Starfield's going to come to PlayStation and not be on Xbox during its tenure on PlayStation. Right. I'm more you know, just saying it's not that like PlayStation will give a game to them and say, "Well, it's not going to be on ours. We'll just let them have it because they spent enough money." So it's clearly not the closest. But I guess what I was trying to get at there is when you look at TV streaming and what it already is, you kind of have to play musical streaming service. Versus mm-hmm. bouncing around wherever has what you want to watch because the dream, right? The dream of the subscription service with Netflix early on, and it was, was mm-hmm. that everything was on Netflix. Yeah. And then as competition started to roar up and more people started coming into this space and started buying things up and sub and, and coming together, then you get HBO with Max, which has become Max, um, just Max because of Discovery, and it's got a bunch of extra stuff now. Then you have Peacock, and you have all the extra stuff that's on because of that. Then you have Disney Hulu and Disney uh, Disney Plus Hulu ESPN, and there's all a bunch of specific to only their places content that you're not going to get everywhere that they made, which makes sense. As well as the flip side of things that were at one point in time pretty much everywhere that now aren't because mm-hmm. Netflix spent, you know. A, billion dollars keeping friends on netflix or um you know can you can watch friends on hbo so clearly it wasn't an exclusivity it was just if you want to be able to have this show on netflix you're still <laughs> going to pay us billions of dollars um 
crazy. Then you have weird things like South Park, which are the the streaming for the series is exclusive to HBO Max or just Max now because they bought the rights out to that, uh, or at least a, a long exclusive contract. And then you have um, Paramount, which is the parent company that owns all of that, and they get all the specials for South Park. <laughs> so if you want to watch both, if you want to watch all South Park, you have to have either cable and one subscription service, or you have to have both subscription services. Well, hear me out. I'm not calling this collusion. I'm not even like trying to, but it'll sound like it. Isn't that good for everyone? Uh, in what way? What do you mean? Because you got one show on Netflix that you like, one show on HBO Max, and two shows on Hulu. So you end up keeping all three indefinitely. And then you don't know what's going to come off HBO Max. So you keep Netflix in case that goes to HBO, to Netflix, right? And you keep yeah. Hulu in case that show goes to Hulu. So you end up having all three of them forever. And then this translates back because we get to a point where Sony and Microsoft own everything. So you think so, Game but Pass right, you, has you, this. you bring that up. But realistically, what about Peacock? What about Paramount? What about all these other? What about Amazon well, Video? What about all if, these things that you don't have? Because no one is going to have all of them. It's just pointless. I eventually doing, you're going to go. I don't care about that enough to pay for that. It's exactly where I'm at at Disney Plus. My wife keeps being like, "We should get Disney Plus again." I'm like, "If you want to pay for it, you have at the. There is nothing on Disney Plus that I care enough about." Yeah. To pay that extra, I already pay for Netflix, and that's it. I pay for <laughs> I pay for Amazon because I pay for Amazon Prime, right? So you have, and Amazon. I get Prime Video, yeah. Uh, and I was always going to do that, but it's like past that. It's like I only have Max because it's included in my cell, and I like Max, but I only have it because it's included in, in your phone. my phone. Yeah, and so. I have Hulu, which I'm watching uh, Yu Gi Oh on, thanks to Blake. <laughs> Shout out goes to Blake Popes. Appreciate you, big dog. Um, so yeah, no, I, I you know I think a lot of people just get obstinate and will go like maybe I'll have three Macs, but it starts to feel ridiculous to have more than three fifteen dollar a month subscription services. Yeah, but like, that's I'm, also part of it though. <laughs> They're not all that expensive. Like you're I get right, what you're saying you about not. Disney, but Disney's like six dollars. At least it was. Apple TV is like is four ninety nine. Last I checked, I think Hulu is six dollars, but Disney is not. Uh, it's Disney's definitely. I, it was when it launched six ninety nine at the very least. But we find out. my, my point is more $8 a month for ads. Okay, there you go. It's like $8, right? But my point is or more than that, without ads. at least in this scenario, there's only two, right? So with the consolidation, you end up having and paying for both because why wouldn't you have Plus and Game Pass? You know what I mean? It's just assuming that all publishers are bought by one of the two. Right, exactly. Which is not what's going to happen. Tencent's going to buy something. Nor should yeah, nor should it be. Well, the problem eh, is, I don't know. At, at a certain point, would you rather Tencent owns half of these or Microsoft and Sony just own both of them? I would rather whatever the larger amount of people is, is the better. Uh, but, you know. Do you have any thoughts on what, what's, what's your opinion on what Sony should buy if they were going to try and keep up? I actually think the answer, and I've already technically said it, but I think CD Projekt Red is an obvious kit for Sony because mm-hmm. it fills their Western RPG gap. Is that they just it? Don't have. They don't have. Because um, we're in agreement anything, on CD Projekt, although I'd prefer Larian because that's just me. It depends. I think if Baldur's Gate 3 becomes some kind of crazy smash success, I think you might see Sony going, maybe? 
Maybe yeah. that could be our obsidian. Maybe it's both. Maybe it's maybe it's a hey, buying CD project is our Bethesda. Is, is our Bethesda. Larian is our obsidian. Yeah. Listen, and at that point, and like that, that sounds retaliatory awesome. in that sense, but it's more of w- the role they fill. Yeah. So I've had thoughts about this for a while. That's why I, I mean, Ember Lab definitely comes into place. The only other p- real person, <coughs> and we've been saying this already, is Square Enix, but they're in Square, Enix, Square Enix's pocket already. They don't. You know they don't need to buy them unless no. someone unless they're worried about losing them to, to yeah. someone who would try and make them exclusive. And that's what it seems to be is, you know, the reason to buy Square Enix is to just make sure they never come to Xbox. That's it, and that's why Square Enix of all of them I think is the most retaliatory because mm-hmm. that that that's literally you telling Xbox players we're going to make sure you never play Final Fantasy. By the way, like you're never going to touch Final Fantasy. Yeah. Unless you come here. Well, who do you think they're going to buy? Or who do you think they should buy at the very least? If it was me, I think I would agree with your CD project take. And then my honest one, and I know it's probably impossible, but I would tell them to look at it, to try and figure something out with EA. Figure something out with EA. And that's for one reason EA and one reason only. Shooter games. Respawn. Respawn. Yeah. Imagine Sony. Okay, this is the thing, and they would immediately have a foothold back in it, right? <laughs> they go and they announce, "We've bought EA. We're leaving everything the same, except we're giving uh, Respawn a hundred million dollars for Titanfall three, and it's in the Decima engine." Are you fucking joking? It shit my pants. That yeah, would make all I, the Horizon I, games we're about to get worth it. <laughs> <laughs> No, really, really looking at it, um, EA is probably the only other publisher who has shooter game chops Yeah, that they could pick up. And that is the only gap that has not been immediately identified. Bungie technically is that, but from what we're seeing, Bungie is not necessarily... Bungie's more spearheading their live service. Now, here's the thing. The only reason I didn't immediately jump to that is because a lot of the developers they're working with and some of which they've already bought are clearly working on shooter games. Now, that doesn't mean that they come along with pedigree necessarily, but they're working on shooter games regardless. Mm-hmm. So they're going to get it. I think past that, I instead of outright purchases, I think just working with developers that you know have a history and, yeah, go to Cliffy B and say, come up with a pitch for a, for a you know, your type of third-person shooter game. Um, figure out what you want to do get with us. We'll see if we think it's going to be worth it. Because, I mean, you can't look at Cliffy B and not think, well, yeah, Lawbreakers really wasn't a hit. And it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And it was overly invested into. Um, I'm not, that doesn't mean it's a bad game. I didn't play it. I don't want to say that. But point being is that it did not financially do what it needed to do. Well, and the so question is, Sony if, would have to look at that. If Sony is behind the game, funding him and helping him, is Lawbreakers a better game? Or is Lawbreakers, even as it was, more viable being a big Sony exclusive? Probably. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, some people I've heard think that Lawbreakers was actually a good game that just came out at the wrong time and with yeah. the wrong model behind right. it, you know, which is probably true to some degree. Uh, a lot of people liked Radical Heights, yeah. the game they did right, off, right after uh, Lawbreakers when they were kind of just trying to figure out something to stay alive for a bit. Um, so who knows? But 
the question is, is, is it better to spend money on partnerships or things that you can get more long-term ownership out of? And I don't know. I mean, the part of me that doesn't want the entire gaming industry to come down to a couple of people, you know, says that partnerships are better because it doesn't lock anything down. It just says, hey, for this game or for this, whatever, we're going to do it. We'll have to see. I mean... Well, we're seeing that impact with Japan and how that's been very important. Uh, even if, if it wasn't going on one system, just having a lot of J- Japanese games locked to PlayStation and Nintendo has already been kind of damning for Xbox for a long time. Mm-hmm. So you look at that and you, you think, flip side question, what would Microsoft's next obvious purchase be? <laughs> Sega, Sega Sammy? Yeah. yeah. Which for me, that would put Sega on the top of my radar if I'm Sony. I'm not losing Persona for anything. It's it's funny because Sony doesn't really need help with Japanese games, but if they don't, they don't scoop need help up with these places, gamers. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I think. I think they do need help with Japanese games. Well, in what way do you mean help? Just so I know, we're kind of speaking in the same way. You know well, what I mean? mean? Like, I don't. I don't think they make games that appeal to the Japanese audience. They don't make JRPGs. They, they don't yeah. Make, they partner. And right. that's, what I, that's what I'm getting at. The, okay. the fear is that they, they are already locked in with Japanese gamers and Japanese games. Mm-hmm. But if they don't scoop these things up, they run into the risk of losing the thing that gives them a connection with Japanese gamers uh, and that long history of Japanese games. Uh, in large part because they, whether or not they were putting out good things, they don't even have a development studio outside of a Sobo uh, in, in Japan anymore. It's just yeah. like they're completely divested from it other than the Astrobot people. Which Astro you know, Astrobot was great. But if every other Japanese publisher that you interact with gets bought out, <laughs> what are you doing suddenly? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's part of why Sony's investing so heavily into like China Hero Project and India Hero Project and looking at places that are coming up and going, at worst we can have interesting games from foreign countries that are up and coming that will have unique takes on gaming as nature of how their, you know, region interacted with them and how gaming was with them in that region. So who knows? We'll see. Um, any final thoughts that you kind of want to get out on this before we move on to the questions? No, I think we're good on questions. Okay. Uh, well, moving into the questions, which you can ask by going over to our social media. You can find us on Twitter at Triangle SQD. You can find us at Facebook in a group called Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. If you ask to enter into there, I will gladly let you in. Or you can find us in our favorite place, the Discord, which you can find by clicking the uh, link in the description below, whether you're watching this on YouTube or listening on podcast services. And... We ask you guys to give us questions for each episode, just like Pork Chops here did. He says, what is one or more genre of game that you once loved and now you were just plain sick of seeing? For me, it would be open world sandbox games. I used to go all out for their style of game, but now I'm finding the market oversaturated with them and would prefer a nice linear story and map. Hypocritically, is that even a word? I'm beyond excited for Spider-Man 2. Chris... Do you have a specific genre that you feel like you once loved and you've kind of fallen out of favor with? Or one that or, you think is just oversaturated, the genre, uh, the, the, you know, maybe you still love the genre, but you feel like it's so commonplace now that you're less wowed by it than you once were. Open world action games with RPG elements. <laughs> Who? 
It is funny because he says open world slash sandbox games. If we're being honest, I, I think that that's it. Yeah. But all open world games do get diluted by open world games, yeah. action games with RPG uh, elements. It's funny because it's that's pretty much the only genre I would really say um, that I've I've fallen out of favor with. I mean, to some degree, if I want to go back out, I do have a much harder time, even if it doesn't make sense, playing turn-based games than I once did when I was young. I liked turn-based games and I played them often, but that was also kind of what you had. You didn't have a lot of real-time games. You had like Star Ocean, and I do I did love Star Ocean, but it was few and far between. Um, so that kind of comes to mind. Like I don't really play a lot of turn-based anymore. Um, but if I would say that I'm just literally sick of seeing, it's that's a strong way of putting it. But the closest I get to that is if I'm looking at a game and it looks interesting and then suddenly they're like it's open world, my excitement level kind of takes a dip because I'm like, oh, what does that mean? What's the quality of the open world? How big is it? Is it doing that weird numbers game where they're going to be like, the map is 5.24 squared miles. <laughs> and it's like, okay, that doesn't really mean anything. 17,000 ending to variance. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you kind of get to that point where it's like, the size of the world doesn't matter so much as how you utilize it. And you can have a massive world so long as that world is fun Excuse and me. engaging the entire time. Um, but you can also have a fun and engaging world that's significantly smaller and feels larger by means of that. So when you look at something like that, open world games, uh, I've been really liking, kind of like I talked about with 16, I've been liking that feeling of games that give you an open world vibe, but but are really just allowing you to go back to hub areas that are linear in some ways, like God of War 2018, God of War Ragnarok, Final Fantasy 16. Uh, there's probably a handful of other ones. But I'm really liking that because I, can, I think it scratches the itch that the open world ideology gives you without becoming a mess. Chris is off the back of playing one of the best open world games of all time. Correct. Where are you feeling with open world? Because... I guess the difference there is that Witcher 3 is a true RPG. Correct. So your your distinction of open world action games with RPG elements, uh, technically all I'm open not, world action games with RPG elements, Witcher is that, but it's so much more. <laughs> I'm not coming to Far Cry for an RPG system and base building and leveling up my friends and waiting 30 minutes for my grass to grow. Like that's not the shit I'm there for. And I think that's more than anything else. Forget open world games with RPG elements and narrow it down to shoehorned in RPG elements, right? Because an open world far cry is fine, but once it becomes, you can't go to this section of the Island because you haven't leveled up your leg, your leg brace enough to take, the damage, you know what I mean? Like at that point, I'm like, I don't want, I don't fucking care. This yeah. is fucking stupid. You know, I don't need that. That was a big, that was a big disappointment for Far Cry Six for me, and they had hints of that in New Dawn that I surprisingly didn't mind. Mm. Uh, but like, whenever I went back and played Fallout, Far Cry Three, I was like, ah, yes, Far Cry Two and Three and even Four are like the epitome of open worlds that are big but not stupid big and you interact with them in fun ways and 
you could arguably say that being able to upgrade your ammo pouches and stuff is RPG like. I don't think that I consider that personally. You don't have to worry about putting gear on or worrying about level locked area caps and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I think uh, it's funny. Maybe that's the best way to say it, is everything getting RPG elements shoehorned into it. It's kind of like people who miss the old school Assassin's Creed. A large part of that is because old school Assassin's Creed was still open world, but it wasn't level locking you out of areas. It wasn't telling you that you had to worry about what sword you had equipped and what <laughs> hat you had equipped. Yeah. You know, it's that's just too much for me now. You didn't have to have a health bar, an enemy health bar, which I don't mind an enemy health bar. It just depends on how it's being used in the game. <laughs> you yeah. know, I don't Sometimes mind any of these like, elements. Ugh. Just do it well. You know? Yeah. In terms of a flip version of the question, what's a genre you would like to see more that you miss um, or a style of game at the very least? We're seeing a bit more of it this year, so it's, uh, it's an interesting time. But um, thinking back on the year, you know, we had that question last week from Jehudi about um, game of the year, kind of where we are. And I kind of glossed over it because we got talking about, um, I guess it might, maybe it was the episode before that, but we got to talking about how we've been playing some older stuff and whether or not the audience cares about that. And we pretty resoundingly heard that people like that. We do play older stuff, which mm-hmm. we kind of knew. Um, but, and this is not a great example because it is an old game remade, but I don't think I st- stuck in just how great I think dead space remake is. And I think dead space remake does what I wish gaming would have ended up doing, which is, Using new technology to answer and solve problems that old technology couldn't, not just how much further you can push realism. Uh, Yes, Dead Space Remake is amazing because it looks so much better. And yeah, it's cool that the peel system exists. And the peel system has a utility. You actually see where you're putting your damage in that gives you an increase. But what I actually love about it is no cut camera, no loading screens, no having to get in an elevator and the elevator stops and you're still in there for 30 seconds waiting for the level behind the walls to load. But I think the problem we got into is that PS4 really didn't do anything different than PS3. So you got the same type of games, but now the worlds could be so much bigger because the games could be bigger. And so that's where everybody dumped their resources in. How can we make it more hours and more time? Now that we've got the SSD, I would really like to see games come back to being like, hey, let's just make a really cool 15-hour game that people would be excited about playing again. And let's look at how this tech of the SSD and these level streaming and everything can be used to make a game without the problems that we had when we were making them in PS3. Because I think a lot of the game design language that we like came from PS3. We talk about that all the time. But you have all the downsides of the PS3, long loading times, bad texture pop in, all those different things. Like, you know, some of the games that were supposed to be revolutionary during the PS3, like um, what is the what's the game that got a Rage? Uh, good example. Rage was supposed to be this breathtaking spectacle, even on console. And then you load it into PS3 and you walk outside and the sky won't pop in and the enemies won't pop in. And you're just mm-hmm. like, what the fuck is, what is happening? Um, so, yeah, I think... That would be my answer to the flip side, and I think I want that to be the community's take. Is what is a genre that you uh, that you miss, Chris? Do you have a genre or a type of game that you kind of feel like you'd like to see make a big return? Tactics games. Oh, 
you're seeing the beginnings of that, I think, right? It's you're seeing like Diofield Chronicle and Triangle mm-hmm. Strategy, and I'll give it to Microsoft too. Uh, Gears Tactics is Phenomenal. it really good? I love I've Gears heard Tactics. Things. Yeah, great game. Yeah. All right. So that's my answer. Well, we have we have one more question, and then we have the the um, I know what I did forget to get. I forgot to get the. The Velvet's Corner. I can't do that. That's the sexiest part of the show. Uh, the <laughs> last question that we have before we go into the community's take comes from Rude Days 93, one of our patrons. He says, curious what your thoughts are on the EU regulators forcing handhelds like the Switch and Steam Deck to have replaceable batteries in the future. In your opinion on if they would do the same with PlayStation controllers. Um as you may know, the EU regulators are pretty fierce. They are the reason that uh, Apple is switching to USB-C across the board uh, because the EU regulators considered having the Apple Lightning charger to be too specific for one phone, and it creates a lot of electronic waste. A lot of chargers go to waste and whatnot if people switch phones or whatever, and it stops people from being able to continually use one cord. Um, and because of that, Apple took and said, well, we can't, we're not going to change how we manufacture it just for one region. So all regions are going to get this update. So you see something like this, um, initial thoughts on the first half of that question, right? So Chris, do you, what do you think about regulating handhelds to where they are required to allow you to change batteries? Um, I don't really like regulating anything. But I do think, especially for purchases like these, I mean, the Switch, I think, to a lesser extent, but the Steam Deck and the Asus ROG and all those kind of handheld devices, I think making a replaceable battery in those kind of the standard, I'm not going to use the word regulated, but make them the standard, is the best thing for consumers. Because if I'm dropping $1,500 on an Asus a handheld device and the battery dies and I have to spend another $1,500, I'm going to shoot somebody in the head. Not literally, but I'm going to freak the fuck out, right? And that's, I think, why, to answer the second question, no, I don't think they should do the same thing with PlayStation controllers at $70. Not that that's no money, but that's not $1,500. It's not even $300. I think that's the difference for me. So you think the push makes more sense to hire the investment? Yes, exactly. I agree to an extent because I think that's where um, a lot of trepidation for the Switch Lite came from because the Switch had such bad Joy-Con issues. But the solution, at least, is that if you do have a problem, you can just go buy more controllers, like more Joy-Cons, and put them on and go about your day. And Mm -hmm. it's not that it's fun, but it's like it's a $70 solution versus a... $200, $300 solution. And I think a lot of people looked at the Switch Lite and thought, well, if it has the same problems and no one knew at the time if it would, you have to just go get it repaired or buy another one. Those are kind of your options. And so a lot of people kind of approach that with, I don't know if I want to spend $200 when for $100 more, $50 more, whatever, I guess it was $100, I could get one that if that ever happens, I have a way to solve it without having to get rid of my console. Um so in looking at it like that, I've always thought it was weird that consoles went away from that. But I actually think I know what the reasoning is, uh, whether or not it was actually being done that way. Phones also don't do removable batteries anymore. 
Very mm-hmm. few do. There's always room in the market for someone to say we're going to do it. But most people don't think about it. The reason is not only because of how thin people like their phones to be, how light they like them to be, but also waterproofing. Do you remember up until about five years ago, if you dropped your phone in water, it was kind of the end. Yeah. And now you really almost can't buy a phone that can't put it in rice. survive in like eight foot water for 30 minutes. Yeah, Absolutely. That's what they're rated for. And you only get that from being able to make something that you can seal. But if you can seal it, nothing can come out. (laughs) Uh, And so you're faced with a dilemma of do you want your technology to be more susceptible to the elements but more reasonable for people to fix if something goes wrong with, you know, something that is simple like a battery? Or do you want something that is going to be sealed and last longer but take more work to replace? Because the reality is, is that all batteries are replaceable. You can replace the battery in the Vita. You can replace battery in 3DS. You can replace battery in the Switch. You can replace battery in all these things. It just takes more know-how. And most people are not going to want to try and overcome that barrier. Yeah. On Chris's thing about regulation, I'm kind of in the same mindset. But I think the problem we've run into is that what you hope is that the market sees the value of replaceable batteries and someone goes, we're going to make a product that has that as a feature, not as a takeaway. It's a feature and people will buy it because they like that. But no one's really doing that. And so you yeah. run into that problem. Now, going into the scale, I do think scale matters because I really like repl- rechargeable batteries in the controller. And when you do that, you know that you have a certain level of quality that you're charging and everything's going to work with. And if you start letting people put any battery that's rechargeable into a PlayStation 5, uh, then you run into a problem. Because I've always wished that Xbox would just include rechargeable batteries uh, in the controller and have it to where you can plug the controller in and it works with them. But if you want, you can also switch them out with double A's if you're in a pinch and want to go ahead and go without mm-hmm. waiting. I've always thought that was a cool in-between, but they've never done that. Um, so for $70, I don't particularly mind. And the batteries fail on those so seldom that no, I don't think I want to see them do that with controllers. I think that it comes to a point where how much is a device? Where is a reasonable line to say that the average consumer would be able to reasonably deal with this? And I think, yeah, some of the higher end uh, Steam Decks are a good example of maybe these are a bit too costly to not have these options. Yeah. It's just too much money to have but the a flip side of that is, is you could probably take that to any repair shop locally and they could probably order the battery and put it in for, you know, 100 bucks. Definitely, probably true. Uh, I don't know. Regulation is a weird thing because where do you draw the line? That's and and what what next are they going to dictate that's necessary? And what does that do to stifle creativity and competition? You know, well, if, that, if like everyone said, is I, being asked to go ahead, Chris, go ahead. No, right. I that's why I lean towards I wouldn't regulate any of this, and I think not having having a replaceable battery in something as expensive as that should be a standard, but not a regulation. Well, I think part of the reason you know it's not is that if if they were going out often enough that this was a real problem that people brought up to them, they would have you'd see technology start going back to removable batteries. But you're not seeing it by and large. So 
it's not happening at enough of a rate to where it's something of concern. Right. So then it comes into the point of, yeah, while one person may get hit in a negative way with this, why does that need to dictate compelling what you do for the rest of the people that don't really have that problem? Exactly. And I'm going to tell you right now that the Vita is suddenly a lot less comfortable of a device if you suddenly have to design it for a way for you to remove a backplate to replace mm-hmm. a battery easily. Yeah, exactly. Didn't the PSP have that? And it, PSP did have that. Yeah, so exactly. And nice PSPs, feature, though. Sure, but the PSPs explode. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so did a sealed phone called the... Uh, Galaxy oh, Note. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? The the Note Five? Was it the one that Note Six? I can't remember what it was. It was one of them that exploded. Yeah, I don't um, remember. So yeah, I mean, the part of me that's like, there's benefits to telling every phone that they need to use USB three. Uh, if someone needs to borrow a charger from me, my charger will work for them moving forward because we have the same charger now. That's cool. But does that stop someone from going? Hey, is there a can I come up with a proprietary cord that's better for my product that I could put out with my product that would be useful just because of the fact that someone wants to regulate that all cords need to be the exact same? I see mm-hmm. both sides. I see the benefits on both sides. I see the thing. So you run the risk. Uh, you you got to look at what the reason for the regulation is and hope that it's a, at least a pure reason. You <laughs> hope it is. Yeah, um, exactly. All right. Oh, Chris, do you have any final thoughts on that? No, I don't. I'm, I'm pretty good. Good question. I do like that one. Yeah. Um, oh, one more question I, I forgot about before we go in there. What are your thoughts on Xbox and releasing? This is a good question. What are your, This is RMG0731 uh, at Turning Amish on Twitter. What are your thoughts on Xbox uh, and releasing unfinished games? Halo missing much of the multiplayer, grounded as a beta for a year, Redfall and now Forza Motorsport not having drifting or drag elements to a racing game at launch. Seems they intend to keep up this for sub-content. I do think this is a good question because Xbox has more often than not lately been releasing games with large swaths of things missing and going, don't worry, it's either early access or we're going to add it later. Mm-hmm. Does that I matter to you? I am fine if it's labeled early access and comes out at a discount in early access. Actually, you know what? It doesn't even have to be at a discount, but it should be called early access. I, I don't So you see- know what you're getting into? Exactly. Like, how can you just? Like, but it, it, it's hard because I'm between two minds. Like, Halo wasn't really finished, but at the yeah, same Halo time, wasn't. it's just a mode that's not in it right now. At least in terms of of Forza split screen. Oh yeah, Forza. Yeah. So with Forza, it's like yeah, but if they told Which you we the don't mode know, wasn't, but that's what they're saying. Right. The game could still be unfinished elsewhere. We just don't know. Okay. Sure. Absolutely. But they've announced this at the very least. And I don't yeah. know that I really jive with the idea that a game is not finished because it is missing a mode. Yeah. That's the thing, all- right. It, then that would mean that every game. So that would mean Spider-Man two came out unfinished. Fallout three came out unfinished actually terrible example but spider-man came out unfinished because it got dlc so if a mode coming later mean but i think the difference is is if spider-man which is a game about being a superhero 
didn't have swinging. Yeah. And I'm that's that's clearly that's too strong because that's like saying a racing games that I'm driving for some reason. Right. But a good example would be and it's it's kind of hard because if you look at racing games, there's kind of an understanding of what racing games are, and you can look at the competition. So I think the question here you can look at is you can consider it unfinished in comparison to what the rest of the industry is doing. If you look at what Gran Turismo 7 is doing, and Gran Turismo 7 having these things day one, if you look at what the PC racing, uh, you know, m- more um, sim racing oriented games are doing, then that's where your comparison point comes in at. And so I think if you look at each one of these, you look at Halo and you go, well, what was Halo missing? All right, well, another game that came out unfinished that we can compare it to that also got a lot of shit was battlefield 2049 or whatever the hell that game's called Two. um 2042 so point being those are games that launched missing fairly large parts of content and feature sets that you would expect um then you have a game like grounded which i don't mind because grounded was early access for a year and they and it clearly was free it was it not it part of Game Pass. It wasn't free, oh, okay. but it was Game Pass game. Uh, then you have games like Sea of Thieves, which you could argue Sea of Thieves is a very different game now than it was at launch. But the mm-hmm. game was a form of complete at launch. It's just the ability to continue to update has made the game more complete, which sounds wrong because that's not really what's happened. But they've been able to make it, the game even better and change a large swath of how the game works. Um I do think it's because of subcontent. Clearly, if you're getting consistent money coming in for people wanting to play your game and they're doing that, it's it's going to drive. And it works well with the idea of what we were talking about earlier in the show of meta games changing and season passes and wanting to bring people in. And not only will the new season pass uh, content want to bring them in, but oh, cool, the game now does this. Now you can do this instead. Now you have this ability. You can swim underwater in the ocean where you couldn't before. Oh, okay, cool. I don't, I see both sides. I do think it's a bit rough that Forza is not just choosing to delay to make sure that two fairly important racing modes are not, are in the game at launch. Mm. But, you know. Yeah, again, I think if the game comes out and works, it's not unfinished. But if the game comes out and is bad, I. I don't even know if I'm phrasing it, what I'm trying to say well, properly. Well, at that point, if a game comes out and is bad, it's still not unfinished, right? You know, but unless somehow it's made suddenly absolutely better by those two game modes being put in, which here's, I don't think is here's the happen, better but, way to put know. it, right? If the game that comes out does not meet your value of judgment, or your, your it does not have enough value for you, right? If playing Forza and missing those two modes, you're like. Yeah, this wasn't worth the money. Then I, it's that doesn't mean it's unfinished. That just means it's lacking value, right? And they're adding value later, and that is the curse and benefit of Game Pass. Because if you're paying ostensibly nothing for Forza for Forza Six or whatever it is, if you're paying ten dollars is what we call it, right? If you're paying ten dollars for Forza. And you get to really enjoy the racing in Forza for 10 bucks. And then in two months, a new mode drops into Forza. And you have for 10 for $10, you have those new modes and the game you really enjoyed. What are you losing? Yeah. I think it's a good way to put it. Yeah. Like, I. <laughs> 
Right? Yeah. I mean, it's something that I, I, I hope to not see everyone, re- you know, repeat. Yeah. Um, but I also think that's this, the type, I think it's the era of gaming we're in is a game can be f- complete, but still be perfected more down the line. I think a good example yeah. of that is we saw Mass Effect 3 10 years ago do the same thing. Yeah. Come out complete, but then people complain, so they changed the ending and <laughs> patched it into the game. Yeah. And you can, you know, don't get me wrong, you can, it's, it's the weird feeling of it is you can play a game and you can go, well, this is complete. Like the game, I can beat the game, but it feels like it's lacking. And then a good example of that, Final Fantasy 15, where they completely patched in a completely different version of one of the chapters um, because people just thought it was kind of weak. It's a weird choice, but, you know, it's it's kind of where we are with gaming. I guess the the downside to it is that you always run the risk of playing a game and going, I may not be playing anywhere close to the best version of this game when I'm choosing to play it, which kind of makes you think, why don't I just wait until the game stops being supported to play it? Yeah. But the flip side is, is that a game can come out and kind of be rough and only get better. No Man's Sky is the perfect example of that. Right. Well, and, and so is Halo for, for the opposite way where, or I guess more towards my point, right? Is I agree with you, but I think Halo is the perfect example of what I was saying where I think Halo, the game that came out, we loved. And for a couple and for a couple of weeks on the show, like I, I, I definitely was Halo's my game of the year. I don't know where you were at. But but the problem was we lost Steam because nothing there was no new content coming out. The campaign wasn't even out. We couldn't extend our enjoyment with Forge, but what we had was still there, right? And that was still yeah. a game. It just wasn't worth it. <laughs> yeah no it's it's a good example um all right well thank you for the all question right. i think it was an interesting one uh and i my real hope is that we don't see this copied too much in single player games uh, i think it makes more sense for multiplayer driven games so hopefully we'll continue to see it there but if nothing else maybe we'll just see single player games still get better after releasing which can <laughs> only be a good thing in all honesty <laughs> you know cyberpunk was a finished game but <laughs> i mean you could roll credits you could took 77 <laughs> crashes for me <laughs> all right guys we are going to move into the part of the show where we get sexy you may know i didn't know we have uh, i didn't put it into the thing because i'm a i'm a fool uh but we have it and it's uh it's a spicy one so if you want to we we know some people like to jump off here so if you if so we'll see you next week and it's no big deal like we said the community state question will be uh, what's a genre that you miss from gaming that you'd like to see make a return um that i look forward to hearing people's answers if you have some games that are part of that genre that you're kind of showcases as to why you feel like that's needed in modern gaming i'd love to hear them uh but Otherwise, we will see you guys next week. Remember, you can follow us on uh, social media at Triangle SQRD, Facebook, Triangle Square to PlayStation podcast group. Description below, get the Discord, hop in, talk to us, chat with us up about the, uh, the podcast, anything we're talk talking about on here, me. give your thoughts, uh, and so much more. But until next week, it is time to get sexy. Velvet Corner. Mmm. Chris, are you ready? I'm ready. This is a uh, this is spicy. This is a spicy Velvet's Corner. 
And I'm glad because it's the first time that you can't see it. You don't know what it is. Yeah, it's true. It's not sitting in a text document. (laughs) If video game characters had social media accounts. Oh, no. Who would be the first character to be canceled? And what would the post that got them in trouble be? I'm not. Nope. I'm not answering this one. Because <laughs> <laughs> the best answer was a joke we made before the show, and I refuse to say it on air. So uh, I'm good. <laughs> Sorry, Velvet. <laughs> now I'm curious as to what we were talking about. The Gex joke. overtly sexual characters would definitely top this list and one of the more recent memory ones that i think would be really funny is sully i think sully would be so he would be the old man on facebook tag commenting on young women's like bathing suit photos (laughs) (laughs) and he would just say something that it was like you know, that that the general old school, like, well, it, it was fine in my time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Comes in so on that is lap. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I think Sully comes to mind. He's the right mix of older kind of, cool, but he also strikes me as a type of old guy who would never actually be on social media. But if yeah. he were, then he'd be the guy who was just like uncomfortably coming on to women. Yeah. Uh, See, here's the problem. I feel like Velvet tried catching us, whether purposefully or not. This feels like a catch-22. Because the moment we say the thing that the person would be getting canceled for, that came from our mind. <laughs> and where does that blur the line between yeah, I, trying to cancel us? That's why I refuse to make the Gex <laughs> joke on air, because it's a great joke. But I'm not getting clipped. Like, I'm not having that. I'm good. Oh, come on, man. Channel your inner Whitest Kids You Know. <laughs> Have you ever seen the skit from Whitest Kids You Know where it's the commercial for grape uh, soda or grape yes, candy or whatever? Yes, yes. It's like, I'm going to grape you in the yeah. mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's a great joke. Look, I, I made a joke about uh, gexual assault, and I feel like that would very, <laughs> very quickly get him canceled. <laughs> Gex is just posting on every picture he can and he's like "Mm, slip of the tongue baby Mm -hmm. and he's gonna get canceled because it's gonna end up being one of those 16 year old girls that he doesn't know but they look like they're 25 (laughs) that's (laughs) it's like that's what's gonna be imagine your new your youtube notifications right it pops up and it goes on a special episode of hansen versus predator (laughs) gex the gecko (laughs) And he walks in. I would love for him to be the same scale size as the the gecko from Geico. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he's just a he's like a small one foot lizard walking in with some Chris sunglasses. Hansen just like his chin on the counter, and he's like, I "Have the chat logs right here." <laughs> you were coming here to watch football. What is? Yeah, I'm like going to shove one. my tail in your blank meat. I don't. <laughs> These are direct quotes from Chris Hansen himself. Um, yeah, so I no, think I, I Gex, like that one. We're yeah, going Gex, Gex. Gex is a really good answer. Wait, he's like a better the answer. perfect overtly. Is it Conquer? No. <laughs> 
because Conquer came to mind. No, it's it's truly the best answer because there's. Oh my god! Th- it's Duke Nukem. Yes. <laughs> How did I not know this it's immediately? Because here's the thing: Duke Nukem would get canceled for a multitude of things, right? Oh yeah, he would, he would get canceled because he's a misogynist. He would get canceled because he would very clearly be a host on a Daily Wire show. Like he would a hundred percent be a verified Twitter user. Like body positivity <laughs> issues would come into play. Like he's setting an unrealistic expectation for bodies. He right. would probably be. He he'd probably be body no shaming. trigger discipline. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's what Duke Nukem would get canceled for. He would get canceled. Because he freaked out on someone in the gym because he was recording his workouts. That's why Duke Nukem gets canceled. Everything else is fine, but that's what gets him canceled. I like that one. You pop up and it's like half the video of Duke Nukem freaking out. And then it's that Joey Swole guy. And he's like, all right, this is not how we treat people in the gym. You know, it's that's that's all we see. It's perfect. When somebody mm. says stop recording, you stop recording. That's gym <laughs> etiquette. That's what Duke Nukem gets canceled for. It's Gex and Duke Nukem. On the flip side. And Cassie Drake. Just because I think this is super. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I think this would be funny. Uh-huh. Who do you think would be a video game character who got into crap because she was working out and recording herself working out? And then another video game character just happened to look her way and she was like, he was watching me while I was recording. <laughs> oh, that's easy. Nadine Drake. <laughs> you think Nadine would go off like that? Well, I don't see Chloe doing it. I don't see Chloe doing it. Oh, you might be right. It's No. It's Ellie. Ellie? That's her name? No. Elena. Sorry. That oh, was Elena. Bad. Yeah. It's Elena. And then it's the camera guy from Uncharted 2. <laughs> 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 and they had just worked out their differences before they went to like Africa or whatever. And then he passes away. And then she has to live with regret of yelling at right. him for watching her when she told him to record her working mm-hmm. out. Yeah, yeah, that'd be it. That'd be it. Oh, or would it be that is the, one of the funniest interactions to see online is <laughs> girls calling a dude a perv, and then I watched a video of a dude, and like all they did was like look over and kind of go, and then you can you could see that it looks like they're trying to figure out if they're recording or what. Yeah, and then and then they look away and they're like, "Can you believe this creep?" And I'm like, "You're in a gym." With a camera pointed at you right. to show other people you working out and someone else watched you work out. Is he a creep if he did it behind his phone screen when you post that later? Like that's right. <laughs> right. where's exactly. the disconnect? The guys jerking it to that are not creeps. But this guy who's just <laughs> doing his sets, he's a creep. He I love the one him. where it's the girl who has a freak out and she's like, oh, yeah, keep on stepping or whatever it is. And then the guy ends up being like the owner of the gym and fucking bans her and revokes her membership. Something along those lines. Great stuff. Oh, man, I'm trying to think of if there's any more, but Duke Nukem is like such the perfect answer. But Gex mm. is not far off. I'm just going to think Gex is pretty damn close. I feel like Leisure Gex- Suit Larry may be somewhere in the talk mm-hmm. here. Leisure Suit Larry is a big one. I mean, a GTA character, like, kind of, like, Nico? 
Yeah. I like, mean, think about everything Nico does any, in his past. Any GTA character, realist. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I, feel, I have Nico's the Nico's the one who would care. It'd be Micah from Red Dead 2. <laughs> Trevor. Trevor would probably be a pretty good one. He would get canceled. Tre- no, uh, but Trevor would be like... He would be like a fucking a Sneeko or you, a Nick you know, Fuentes who just gives no shits that he got canceled. And he's I was about to like, say what he actually think he would be like a squeezy jibs. <laughs> who? <laughs> you don't know who squeezy jibs is? Looked at hold on. Squeezy for real, squeezy jibs. Go find the man. You've seen this man before. He was a, a big meme guy for a while. S-K-W-E-E-Z-Y-J-I-B-B-S. Squeezy Jibs. He's like Malibu's Most Wanted. Okay. <laughs> Gene Kong. He's just really stupid. Oh, but I know he has this like, guy. Yeah, I know yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. He's that funny. strikes me as Trevor Energy. Yeah, that's like he's a little Trevor. more chill, but you know, it's Trevor without the murder. Yes, exactly. It's like if Trevor was on some like some downers. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there's gotta be like in my head. I feel like there's better characters. Um, I don't know. Duke Nukem was like I such the. There's like a cheat code, right? Because we could choose. It. We could choose like Domingo Herman. Or Aroldis Chapman, both of which assaulted their wives in real life and played Major League Baseball, thus being in MLB 22, the show, being legitimately that, canceled. Here, here's the other thing, though, because the, the problem with that is that if you go into people who exist in, histor- in actual history and in who are real people and game characters, yeah. that gets so easy because the answer just becomes Hitler from the fucking Sniper Elite games. And Hitler is clearly canceled for one very specific reason. <laughs> I think there's like about six million specific reasons that he was canceled. Yeah. So um, point being, uh, yeah. Okay. So th- th- that's that's too easy. That's a, that's a cheat code to the extreme. Okay. I think I might have it, but honestly, the character might be too hot to be canceled for this. Oh. Okay. Let's hear it. Ezio Auditori. Okay. Italian dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a joke. Uh, I, I can't remember the com- comedian's name. Kind of a bigger guy, bald head, longer like longer hair, but thin on top. Re- I know his name, and it's just escaping <laughs> me. Uh, he's like a middle aged white guy. <laughs> I don't know. One hundred percent. Joe Rogan. Uh, Hold on, he's got a he's got an odd name. Hold on. Is he Greek? I really don't know. Russell Brand. No. Tom Segura. Burt Kreischer. No, it's going to kill me. Michael I really Sarah. don't know the guy's name right now. John Michael Mulaney. <laughs> John Mulaney is playing Plastic Man. If you had, of course, name. I see this man all the time. It's going to be so funny that I can't. Like maybe I could even open up Facebook and just find it. Uh, Stevros, hold on. I think I just may have remembered it. Mick Stevros Halkius, and I, I don't know what he is. He's, I don't know. All right. Uh, he had a he had a joke where he's talking about. <laughs> he's talking about the borders and he's like I, he's, I think we have a problem where we're worried about the wrong refugees coming in and he's like have you ever seen an Italian guy <laughs> <laughs> facts 
And he's like, an, he's like an Italian guy's asking every girl what their age is, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, have you ever ordered a pizza in this country? And he's like, and yeah, we can't, you know, we can't have the guy from, uh, you know, from the Middle East coming over. <laughs> like, but you're, he's like, how is customs letting this guy through? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty funny. There's got to be better characters, too. That's the hard thing. Is like I feel like Duke Nukem and Gex were really good answers, but I feel like they were easy answers. Um, See, but what's the what's a deep cut, right? And like you, you would have to agree that Ezio, if he's ugly, gets canceled. But the Ezio in the games, given his looks, is just making YouTube videos where he just picks up chicks. I mean, yeah, maybe. Part of me thinks that I have a in my head. I, this is a completely different question, yeah. and it's ridiculous. But in my head, I think what video? And I think it's because of the fact that Ezio kind of perfectly embodies this. Mm. <laughs> I don't even know why I feel this way, but like, what video game characters would be the the cast of Jersey Shore? Basically, like who could what five, six, however many video games, how many, however many people are in Jersey Shore, what five or six characters from games could you put into a show Velvet, and have it essentially be Velvet? Brett has given you next week's Velvet <laughs> Quarter, he's handed it to you on a silver platter. I won't and answer it, I'll save the, I'll save those answers, but it came I need to time my mind to think about that because it's a great one, and also Kratos. <laughs> Specifically, Sparta Kratos. He canceled, canceled immediately. No, I don't know that canceled would be the right term for arrested for first degree murder. So, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the problem with canceled is it's got to be not, it can't be actions. So, in, in that sense, so much as it's got to be like thoughts and the way yeah. that you. Are there any Skyrim characters? Like that world seems rife for this kind of thing. (laughs) Well, there's a there's plenty. Name any of the Nords in that game who are racist against the Dunmer. Windhelm, the Grey Quarter. I mean, you have literally an entire section where they have segregated the Dunmer. The problem with that specifically is that if the Nords had social media they would probably be okay because you would think that everyone who has access to it is probably on their side except obviously he gets canceled by the Dwemer right they get canceled by them that's fine but you know I don't know that's like a Louis CK level of canceled you know what I mean what video game characters would have an OnlyFans <laughs> Quiet? Uh, mm, no, no, not quiet. Uh, Bayonetta? No. You think? Yeah, maybe. You know, I can Ashley, see her having one, but it's a lewd OnlyFans. You know what I mean? Where it's like uh, I don't okay. get naked, but I pose with my butt up. You know that kind of mm, thing. maybe. I I could see Ashley Graham from Resident mm-hmm. Evil Four, like. Keeps herself covered up, but then she gets alone in the bedroom. <laughs> Speaking of Resident Evil 4, uh, Leon. <laughs> Is Leon going to get canceled? Oh, no. I was talking about the OnlyFans. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, yeah. 100%, dude. Yeah. Now, he, he'd be the Matt Rife of that world. He'd be like the comedian <laughs> that everybody wants to. 
that everybody wants to just bone. You Ethan know what I Winters. mean? He gets he has the OnlyFans. After yeah, I yeah. died and became goo, you don't want to know what happens. Pay fifteen dollars to see all my goo. Oh God. <laughs> oh that is terrible. Him and Lady De- Demetrescu or whatever. Demetrescu or whatever. Yeah, I actually don't know how you say her name. That's just my guess. Hmm. Yeah, Chris, I think we've solved the, I think we've solved this answer. That's what you have right now. I think that there's something to be said about Roman though. I do think Roman coming into the conversation somewhere would, would From GTA four? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go for it. Yeah. Hello, cousin. Want to go to strip club? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, cousin, another time. (laughs) (laughs) That is so stupid. Roman's a good answer. I like Roman. What about Johnny Gat? Or is he just a criminal already, so it doesn't really matter? I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like you can only cancel people who'd care. And, like, on social media, they literally are killing people for likes. So, like, I don't know that they would get canceled for that. They have social media in their world. Ooh, mm. I have an answer. Mario. Okay, Mario? Mario, because they would consider him... <laughs> they catch him on video walking down New York streets, <laughs> sees a hot chick, and just goes, Mamma Mia. And it just, he's over. It's done. <laughs> and they do the Gillette commercial where some guy like puts his hand in front of him. He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> the better answer is I was ca- going to say they were going to do it for him being misogynistic for always treating Peach as though she's a damsel in distress <laughs> well that's Bowser here's the thing here's the real like Mario thing right they get Mario on video doing something misogynistic and sexist and gross and Luigi mm-hmm. is the one who gets cancelled for it <laughs> <laughs> he takes the fall he does it's like it's not a me I'm sorry if I offended anyone from. I'm sorry if I offended any. (laughs) Honestly, the fact that Mario has become a cultural icon while single handedly being a stereotype of of Italian people is amazing. I mean, specifically Italian plumbers. They can't be happy. (laughs) I'm just saying, that kind of checks out. You look at it and you think to yourself, how is that okay? Everyone loves Mario, and he is a stereotype, and we're all mm-hmm. told that we're supposed to fight stereotypes. Which one is it? I have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> that will conclude this week's Velvet's Corner. All right, guys. The guy from Spec Ops the Line. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Subtle reminder there after Cancel all of that ridiculousness. If you, want to, uh, if you want to support the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash nartech and give us a little dollar per month like so many of our <laughs> listeners do. We are very appreciative of those who do so. Uh, if you like what we're doing and you want to help keep the show going along, uh, this show will probably always continue so long as we always have people to listen and Patreon at least covers what it costs us to do this. We are very thankful that we have that ability when uh, there are plenty of people out there who don't. So thanks to each and every one of you. Uh, We'll see you next week. Chris, thank you for joining me as always. Uh, And I think with that, 
we will end the show without further ado. A shout out to our patrons who we thank at the end of every episode. Uh, while we still have a list that's reasonable enough to do that. So thank you to Spencer, Brandon Edwards, Alex, Barry Rogers, Red Eye, Aztec King, Leechion69, The Lord Corgi, Hammond Egger, Bailey Robertson, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days 93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Danny Villalobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Donovan Williams, Matthew Green, and Sean Santarude. Thanks to each and every one of you. See you next week.